streaming through the deserts of Arizona onto the tropics of South Florida and up to the snow-falling opposite of New Jersey. The ultimate triangle of sports talk is back as always on Wednesday nights and the triangle could be very tricky. Try not to get lost on the way as the third and three podcast is here to play. This sports talk show of pros is proudly presented by the sports column where they give aspiring sports writers an opportunity to get their thoughts and ideas on the internet for others to read. So big shout out to my man, Frank Fear over at the Sports Column. And you know, the third and three podcast brought to you by Anchor Radio, which is a great platform. Anyone looking to create a podcast on it, it's excellent. We use it, we love it. And here is the team that makes the triangle offense look like a crooked line. I proudly give you Tricky Nicky Gist and the real deal Damian Adams, who make this show so much fun brings such unique, independent knowledge. It's just awesome. Hey, my name is Jason Fearman. I'm on Twitter at Sports Profit One. And again, my guys are here. Can't do it without him. Nikki, ladies first as always. How are you? How was your day? I'm good. I had a busy day, productive day. We finally hit like 60 degrees in Jersey. So I'm good and I'm ready to roll and happy to be here with you guys. It's it's the one of the best parts of my week. That's right. Mine too. Mine too. No doubt. All right, Damien, she's getting up there with us over there. 60 degrees. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's finally getting out of the, you know, the Arctic Circle up there in New Jersey. <laughs> I'm having a good day, man. And it's getting even better now that I'm getting to do the podcast with you guys. Super, super excited. Got a big show in front of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. There's a lot of news going on. and We're going to get to a quick. Uh, my day was kind of interesting. Very long story short. I had this birthmark on my body and it just, you know, and when things get bigger, you got to go to a dermatologist and get it taken off. And she comes in with like this freaking machete. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know it's off, like, thank God. But it was like the scariest thing. I'm like, I figure she's just going to take like little tweezers and a little tiny knife. But this thing was freaking big, man. But all is good. Just got to make sure everything stays all right. So now I know my day is just going to get better from here. You know, his day got really good the other day. Dak Prescott saga finally concluding with a four-year, $160 million contract. I think $126 million is guaranteed with the record-breaking $66 million signing bonus. Side thought, I think the Cowboys should try and trade Ezekiel Elliott later. We're going to talk about stuff like that in later episodes. But 
Um, now that they signed him, guys, Dak got what he wants, what he wanted last year, the four years and everything like that. Now it's a lot of money we're talking, you know, $40 million a year average. When this stuff happens, you know, and you look at other quarterbacks, like a Russell Wilson, you know, who won a championship in his rookie contract, Patrick Mahomes championship rookie contract, Tom Brady took less money, you know, yada, yada, things like this. You pay him a lot of money now, and the team is obviously has problems because even when Dak was there, Damian, they were losing. And it wasn't his fault by any means, but they're going to have to get better on defense, especially real quick. And now that this money is being given to Dak, it's going to be tougher. Yeah, no, they're definitely, they got a lot of money spread out. Uh, you mentioned trading Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know who's taking that contract on. Um, so it's going to make it tougher on them as a team, but you had to give Dak this deal, right? Because you put yourselves in a corner by not giving him the deal in the first place. You're staring down a barrel of a second franchise year. If you didn't get the deal done now, and you go into the year on the franchise tag, you risk losing him. He goes up there and balls out and now is on the open market or you have to franchise him a third time, which the money on a third franchise is just crazy money. So you don't want to do that. So for me, they had to get the deal done. And now they have to try to build their defense to go along with Dak Prescott being a top 10 quarterback. Um, but I think Dak is worth every penny. Even the $66 million signing bonus that he got could just imagine having that type of money come straight to your bank account, man. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> just just craziness, man. But I feel like they had to do it. They had to come to his terms. So I'm glad he got his money, and I'm glad that he had a no franchise tag um, clause put in the contract, along with a no trade clause, able to truly take advantage of his position, even coming off of that devastating injury. So, man, just shout out to Dak and his agent. Oh, no doubt. And I'm totally with you. I'm very happy for him. I'm, I'm a Dak fan, despite hating the Dallas Cowboys. I think he's a great guy on and off the field. So, Nikki, there's no doubt I'm happy for him. What I said is true. And, it, you know, we've seen throughout time that this has happened. And, again, we've talked about the next guy up, uh, not mentality, but the next guy up financially who deserves the money. Now, Dak Prescott isn't the second best quarterback in the NFL. I think he's pretty high up there, sixth, seventh at worst. So again, you're paying this guy a lot of money who is definitely a great player. There's no doubt about it. And yes, I agree, Damien, you don't want to let him go. But now you got all this money and you come into a situation now where I'm even just thinking forward a little bit, where you think about Dak and he got his though. What happens when Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, or even Baker Mayfield, Josh, you know, Joe Burrow from now, Justin Herbert, is it all going to be the same guy that the next guy up mentality gets paid as long as he's somewhere within the top 10? Because again, that's what it feels like. And I wish that the NFL would just, or at least organizations, maybe have some sort of rule, maybe like a tier rule. And Nick, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm going to give it to you right now. But maybe like first here, you have to have won a Super Bowl and, uh, you know, an MVP at some point, second tier, high playoff success rate. I don't know, in order to earn this sort of money, because to me, it just doesn't fit with the players. Not that Dak's not great, but he's not the second best and he's getting paid the second most money. Yeah, man, I wish I was uh, 
a male and a quarterback, I, I would be doing something different with my life. Let me tell you, I, well, here's the thing. Do the Cowboys have any money left now? I mean, it's kind of what happens. If you look at Brady, his whole career, he always offered that hometown discount, right? And it's worked out pretty damn well for him. Um, so yeah, Jay, I'm kind of with you. I have to defer to D, our uh, pseudo commissioner here. I'm sure he has a great plan mapped out for <laughs> these salaries. But see, I don't see why there couldn't be some type of of tier or or maybe more incentive based. So I mean, I don't know. I'm not a commissioner, but it does seem like completely out of whack, especially like let's say you get all this money tear your Achilles you're out for two years you know what I mean so I don't know there's got to be a way and I certainly don't know the answer but I sure wish in another life I would like to come back as a quarterback good bad or not because I'm making bank either way yeah you're making serious money and I just want to give a little history behind this I did a tiny bit of homework thinking and, and, and Damien both of you guys hear me out here's some examples of why I don't like this and again it's not even Dak's fault so let's just talk here real quick. The Eagles, they drafted uh, Carson Wentz second overall in 2016. He's not on the team anymore. The Rams took Jared Goff. They paid him a whole bunch of money, just like they paid Carson Wentz. He's not on the team anymore, you know? So now he's in Detroit. The Seahawks gave Russell Wilson a ton of money, and they haven't sniffed the Super Bowl in a long time. When he was on Russ, when he was on his rookie deal, like I pointed out, they had a full squad. The Texans paid Deshaun Watson last September a whole chunk of money. They went four and twelve. So th- that's why I, th- that's why this bothers me. And I wish that there could be a more team friendly way and more of a perceptual way of saying we cannot spend 25-30% of our salary on a quarterback if you can't surround him. Because Damian, we always talk about it. The NFL football is a team sport, and you can have a great quarterback but it's not going to matter unless you have the players around you. Yeah, no, that's very true. You have to have the players around them. And that's where drafting comes in, right? Um, yes. If you if you have a top 10 quarterback, you're going to have to spend this type of money. And to your point earlier about the tiers, it comes down to the teams playing hardball. Um, and last week I mentioned how in the NBA, I would want to have some type of grading system to where – we can say these top players are the top 10 in the league and they can't play with each other if they've accomplished A, B, and C. Right. With QBs, you should be able to determine who the top 10 are, but it still is going to come to a point where there's going to be something that's subjective about it, right? With Dak, they can say, oh, he's so young. If they don't believe he's top seven, they can say, oh, but he could be top seven next year, right? Um, so there's going to be something to where the agent or whoever's negotiating is going to be able to get through whatever grading system you have and say that, well, he deserves this because of this, or he's so young that he deserves this and he can be this going forward if you give him this money. So it's always going to be, you know, a catch 22 with it, but it also comes down to the teams playing hardball. And when your examples of Carson Wentz and Jared Goff with Jared Goff, we, none of us agreed on that contract. We was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you paying him this much money? None of us saw it. We saw a team that was loaded with talent that had an okay QB that made it to the Super Bowl. And at that point, the agent is going to argue, well, hey, this QB is the most important position on the field, and we just made it to the Super Bowl. He deserves top dollar, right? At least with Carson, we saw an MVP-type season the year they went to the Super Bowl. And it's like, okay, we get that somewhat. And then he just fell off the map. 
But with Jared Goff, we never saw that type of talent for him to get top dollar. So it also comes down to the teams just being smarter. That, that makes perfect sense also. It, it definitely does. There's no doubt. One team that did it smart, and we're going to talk more about this. And again, we're all happy for Dak. There's no doubt. He's been betting on himself for the past two years, and he, and he finally won. So great for you. $160 million over four years. That's wonderful. So, again, I'm just playing devil's advocate, not taking anything away from you. It's just how now the team is structured and the recent history of what we've seen. But anyway, let's go back to the neighborhood news over here. Big Ben, we talked about it last week. You know, I, I was trying to, you know, make the point that he's the best route for the Steelers to go right now. Whether that's true or not, they did reconstruct his contract, so he's going to stay with Pittsburgh. The Packers made the wise decision, as I also mentioned last week, do not franchise tag your running back, Aaron Jones. They did not do that. Thank God for that team. The Bears did slap the franchise tag on Allen Robinson, who wasn't thrilled about that in Chicago. The Bucks did the same with Chris Godwin, who's going to make about $15 million this year. Tampa also ex- extends um, uh, Levante David's contract, so he's going to remain with the team. Big-time offensive tackle, let's not forget about those guys. Trent Brown, he's one of the better ones out there, headed to New England in a trade with the Raiders. Washington uses their franchise tag on an offensive guard, another one of the best out there. He's going to make $18 million this year. Brandon Scherf, all right, the Jets Pro Bowl. Uh, safety Marcus May, he was tagged for $11 million. Leonard Williams, your guy. Uh, with the Giants over there, tag for 19.3, Nikki. So that's a big chunk also. Uh, Damian, your team um, got rid of Emmanuel Sanders, but tagged Marcus Williams, who's going to make about 10.5 million this year. What do you think about both of those moves? Uh, they both make sense. You know, Emmanuel Sanders wasn't the most productive for us. Um, he stepped up for us in different ways when Michael Thomas was out, uh, but I can see us having other receivers step up in that spot, Traquan Smith, uh, Deontay Harris, even going to draft and get a receiver late in the first round or second, third round, maybe with a deep wide receiver draft, which will be cheaper than Emmanuel Sanders. And with our salary cap situation, we have to relieve money some way, somehow. So releasing Emmanuel Sanders and I think Quan Alexander as well makes a lot of sense for us to do now. And Marcus Williams is a very good safety who you want to keep. Uh, at that price on a franchise tag is not too bad. So I like the moves that the Saints have made so far. And we're trying to hold together with duct tape. That's what we're trying to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Remains to be seen at the quarterback position. Uh, going back to your team, Nikki, for a second with Leonard Williams, we know that he's a monster player. How do you feel about giving up that amount of money for that guy who was basically the anchor of the defensive line? Yeah, listen, you give it to the anchor. I mean, the Giants don't have any money as it is. And Dave Gettleman with this, oh, the offensive line is young and this and that. I mean, he's just like spends money like it ain't nothing. And I, I don't know, every year is more disastrous than the next. But all right, I'm hopeful. No, I'm I'm fine paying this guy. He is the anchor of the defense. He's a, a phenomenal player. He like gets the team going. He's definitely a leader. So, you know, those are the type of guys that you want to pay, you want to keep him happy. Um, and we want him here. I, you know, all the fans love him. So I was happy about it. All right, Dave. There you go. Good. That's from a true fan right there. You heard you heard right from the lips right there. Uh going to New England for a second, guys, to getting ready to close that neighborhood news over here. Uh, We did uh, mention it last week as uh, we were talking about the AFC East. I just want to circle back around to it now that certain other things have been put in place and not as many quarterbacks are going to be available, although we're hearing rumors of Jimmy Garoppolo going back to New York, who would be another guy who they paid a lot of money to. 
who didn't deserve it. Uh, you know, just another example, but he did get into or help get them to a Super Bowl. Nevertheless, he might go back to New England. Um, but the question is, again, if they don't get a quarterback, a veteran that they like, whatever it may be, is there a chance that they do draft a quarterback in the first round? They got the 15th pick. They could move up if they want to. You know, Belichick's always got something up his sleeve, Damian. So what do you think the chances are getting higher that they maybe take one of these, you know, top four or five guys coming out this year? You never know. You never know with them. They're known for trading down uh, sure. instead of trading up. But I think this year, if there's any year where trends, you know, go in the opposite direction, it would be this season. And I could see New England maybe trying to move up and get one of those quarterbacks. Uh, a team like Atlanta is kind of in that middle space where they have a quarterback there, Matt Ryan, but they're in a perfect position to draft a quarterback. Do they say we're going to stick it out with Matt Ryan and they trade with New England, let New England move up to get that spot? Um, so there's, you know, just a plethora of options for New England. And I'm just so excited to see exactly where it goes. Yeah, I'm pretty excited, too. I, look, they moved up in the draft last year. I forgot who it was for off the top of my head. Uh, they didn't move up too much. It was a few spots or whatever. But you're right, Damien. They very rarely ever move up. It's usually moving back to acquire more picks, which has made them very successful over these past 20 years. But, Nikki, it's looking more and more to me like like I, like I Mac Jones could be wearing uh, whatever the freak number he wore in college. I don't know, 6, 18, whatever. It's, it's a possibility. It is. I mean, I guess I guess we will see. There's lots of news going on. That's for sure. We could do like three segments on neighborhood news. Yeah, you're not right. No doubt. No doubt. So, uh, yeah, we're getting to that point. We're going to see so much movement again. Today is Wednesday, March 10th. In between now and next week, a week from today, there's going to be so much movement. And plus, guys, we're going to do March Madness on the show. Yes, we're all going to have our sheets of integrity, our bracketology out there. We're going to show it to you guys, and we're going to do the point system and may the best man or woman win. So we shall get there. Guys, remember last week what I said about the three-pointers in the NBA? It's driving me freaking crazy. You can't take it anymore. I think I said it two weeks in a row already. Well, the NBA out of nowhere, I hear now is concerned with all these three-pointers that are being taken and even threw out some silly suggestion. And it's silly to me. Uh, I don't know if this rule would work and I don't think it's going to pass that a team would be limited to taking only 23 pointers per game until the final six minutes and then they could do whatever they want. So the obvious thing right here, Damien, is what I've been pointing out and looking at the all-star game, Damian Lillard and uh, Stephen Curry going back and forth. That was extremely entertaining. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the guys who aren't the good three-point shooters and are hurting their team, not taking those high percentage shots. So the NBA is kind of with me on this one over here. It's like too many three-pointers already. Yeah, no, I, like I said last week, I agree with you. Uh, it's taken away from the variety of the game, right? So you think about what you see out there and usually you can break down like for a team like San Antonio, for example, that goes against the grain and doesn't shoot the three as often as other teams, because they have players like DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge who thrive in the mid range. They have to do more. They have to have more of a strategy to get those guys in the right spots. And that's something that we enjoy. And sometimes that gets taken away with teams that just come down and Chuck right now, the whole putting a limit, on the shots you can't do that because 
then it it will be interesting because then you know teams will have to you know count their threes but you would also have that moment where a team has shot 23s and then you have Steph Curry for example wide open for a three and he can't take it mm-hmm. so you can't have that happen right you can't I, have you can't have I, Steph Curry wide open for that three pointer he has to think about the fact that we already shot 23s so yeah you can't have any type of limit on it you just have to have teams catch up and coaches coach and say hey let's do more of this. We have players who can shoot the mid range as well. And that's, has to be encouraged by teams because we got so, you know, analytically driven that we forgot about just do what's good for you and what you are good at. Right. So players who are good at shooting a mid range shot have been encouraged to either drive the ball, lay up free throws and threes, because those are considered the most efficient shots. And we've gotten away from, the art of the mid-range, which has been very successful for the best players in the league. You look at somebody like Kawhi Leonard, LeBron, those guys. I mentioned DeMar DeRozan earlier. If you could score in the mid-range, you can make a lot of money being a 20-point-a-game scorer in the NBA. So if you're young, you're listening to this, don't just sell for the three-pointers. You have to get a mid-range jumper, be able to go to the goal, do it all. And I think that's going to change over the years with players – who are going to the goal like Zion and Joel Embiid, but also the mid-range scores as well that can show us that a variety is very important to your game. No doubt. I mean, I haven't seen a guy take a bank shot since Tim Duncan retired. I mean, literally, it's it's mm-hmm. just a whole, whole different game. Nikki, you know, I w- we can go on and on about this thing with three-pointers. I say they move the line back significantly. I think that's what they really should do at this point to lessen the amount of three-pointers by the guys who aren't so good at them and let Steph and, you know, Damian Little and some of those other guys who can hit from really long range do it. So, you know what, they've done it before, move it back again. I say go for it. And that rule wasn't even implemented until 1979, believe it or not, the three-point rule. Uh, anyway, to close that neighborhood news, um, Miami Heat's uh, backup. Uh, Myers Leonard is a complete freaking idiot. Let's get to applause and tomatoes. If you guys know what I'm talking about with Myers Leonard, he made a racial slur on a video game, Call of Duty, um, a racial slur to Jewish people, which I happen to be, and so do his owners and Mickey Harrison and his son. So uh, that was dumb. So let's get to that. That's some tomatoes right there. But I mean, let's just get into the real applause and tomatoes and the meat of it right now, Nikki. You ready? Oh, I'm always ready to throw tomatoes. Well, let's do this bad boy. All right, so remember last week when I ranted about the New York Times and I said I was done with them? Well, I almost was done with them. I wanted to be done with them, but I'm throwing the tomatoes at them again this week because I think they're just out to piss me off. You know why? Because what (laughs) article do I see trending on Monday morning? Here's the title of it. Sorry, New York, but the best bagels are in California. Really? Oh, my God. (laughs) Are they? (laughs) That's like against religion. That's ridiculous. It's sacrilege. Like, first of all, like New York Times, I really like, I don't know what you're smoking. I don't want it because it's shit is whack, whatever you're on. It really, really <laughs> is. Like, second of all, wh- who is doing, who, who is the bagel like czar that said, oh yeah, the ones in California are the best. They are not. I know a lot of people that are from the East Coast that live in California that tell me all the time, bagels and pizza suck. Okay, Jay, here at a lot of my friends in Florida, bagels and pizza suck there. So, yep. and you know what the kicker of the article was for me? 
So they named this shop um, in California. And the article states that they're the best bagels because they specialize in New York style bagels. Well, you know what's better than a New York style bagel? An actual a bagel. New York bagel. New York. <laughs> like New York Times, I, I'm just throwing all the tomatoes at you because you've got to get it together. I mean, this is bullshit. You're coming for my bagels now. You're telling us that in order to not get sick, we have to get fresh air. I, I can't anymore. I can't. You know what? <laughs> Nikki, they, they don't have any stories and because nobody reads the paper anymore. They're willing to put anything out there to get people's eye. California, every New Yorker probably took that paper and burnt it in the middle of the street. They the, should. I mean, they really should. Bagels or pizza. I mean, <laughs> New York, that's the bottom line. Chicago's got their own. The treats, uh, Detroit's got their own. I understand. But especially bagels. I mean, you go to Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx. Even in Long Island, there's nothing like a crispy, well-done bagel on the outside, and it's just perfectly on the inside. Man. I totally agree. I'm, I, I won't even read that paper. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Gone. Totally stupid. Well, D, your turn. All right. Before I get to my tomatoes, like you described it a little bit, what makes the New York bagel so good? Or I've never had a New York bagel or New York style bagel. Nikki, would you like the honors? Or would you like? Go, you can go ahead, Jay, because you know I'm with you. It's got to be like that perfect. It's li- it's not like overly cooked, right? It's got to just be that perfect, chewy, crispy consistency. Yeah. It's all about the bread and the water, and there ain't nothing like Brooklyn bread. Okay, right. So, so Dam- yeah, Damien, let me ask you this: When you bite into a bagel, does it feel like you're chewing a rubber band after I've- time? I've had some bad ones like that, yeah. Okay, that's the reason. You won't find that anywhere in New York. They're all, just like Nikki said, they're perfectly well done, crispy on the outside, and then you bite into it, and it's warm, awesome, real bread. And when you put whatever you want on a cream cheese, butter, lot, you know, whatever it is, whatever you desire. But even if you just had it alone, oh. it is amazing it just is and a lot of people say it's the water whatever it may be but again everywhere else i have been including florida i can't find a good bag i found one bagel place that's close and of course they call it brooklyn water bagels of course Um, they do of course they do so that's the only one that's come close but that's the whole point that all the other bagels taste like rubber in the universe Mm -hmm. that's the problem (laughs) okay i have to get me a new york bagel one day I'll definitely report back uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I do that. Uh, so <laughs> for my tomatoes this week, I have to throw my tomatoes at the NBA dunk contest. Mm. Just was, oh. uh, it was underwhelming. You know, it's, it's not the participants fault because there were some good dunks, you know, uh, my guy Cassius can't even remember his last name right now that plays for Indiana Pacers, but that's my problem. <laughs> I don't I don't know these guys, right? My guy Cassius hadn't played all year. I think he played like a total of two minutes, didn't have any dunks. And from college, you knew he could dunk the ball. He went to Duke. So even if you're not a big college basketball fan, you probably caught a game just in, you know, flipping challenges or whatever. You caught him, you saw that he had, you know, high flying abilities. Uh, Obi Toppin had a pretty good dunk in the contest. And the one who won it was Anthony Simons or Simons. Yeah, 
and his dunks were pretty good. The one where he had the goal, the little goal put up at 12 feet and got it and dunked it at 10 was pretty awesome. Like take somebody who tried to be a high flyer back in his day. Um, that's pretty hard to do to get a ball that high. Uh, but you're not going to get it unless they have all-time classics like Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon back in the, you know, a few years ago. If you don't have the names, it's just not going to, you know, hit hard. And with it being during halftime, it literally felt like if you go to an NBA game and they got the guy out there with the unicycle juggling just to keep people busy until the game comes back on. If you want the slam dunk, if you want the slam dunk contest, it's been a while since we've been able to go to the games and see stuff like that. Um, but if you've been to NBA game, you know what I'm talking about. They always have like this little weird halftime show, right. um, and <laughs> this, you can't treat the slam dunk contest like the guy on the unicycle juggling plates. You have to treat it like a big event. Have it on Saturday night. So hopefully next year we're back to the regular All Star weekend. This weekend wasn't bad. Or this night wasn't bad, you know, having it, everything happen the same night. But you got to have a dunk contest and three-point con- uh, contest, have its own night, be on its own stage. Uh, because now the dunk contest, with it being at halftime, like I said, just felt like a sideshow. Yeah, yeah. And it, it would be nice if we did have that, obviously. And look, I think the only reason why they did that, because the dunk contest, like you said, has lost so much luster over the years that they're trying to make it like, okay, you have to watch this. Now it's halftime. You're not changing the channel. So watch the dunk contest. And they made a big in, bigger fool out of themselves than they usually do. because it, it was. It was horrible. It was horrible. I mean, I like some of the creativity, uh, you know, uh, taking, you know, like off the nerf and slamming it. I mean, he jumped pretty high for that. And, you know, thank God he didn't kiss, and, he kissed the rim over there. That would have been a little disgusting. But I get the point out <laughs> of it. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I mean, it, it's great to have those names in there. And unfortunately, I think a lot of these guys, I don't know if they're advised not to or if they just say, nah, I'm either too big for this or whatever it may be. So, uh, I, you know, I'm with you on that, bro. Um, I'm definitely with you. The dunk contest doesn't excite me. Let me get to my tomatoes over here. Um, this is kind of old news, old news, and it even goes back to old news at LSU. I'm talking about Les Miles, the inappropriate behavior towards females, exchanging texts, basically saying, you know, quote unquote, let's hook up. He was accused and perceptionally found guilty as he did kiss at least one of these female students. This happened while he was coaching at LSU and was just recently fired by Kansas University as the Jayhawks now former head coach. I'm glad they got on this. I felt like it took a little while. So, you know, I can even throw tomatoes at that, but the tomatoes are at less miles. I mean, you got to listen, you're old enough. You understand, even if you have these inappropriate thoughts in your head, you got to know better not to act on them. You're going to get caught. I mean, I mean, if you really want to be smart about it, you don't exchange these sort of things. And first, you just don't do it. You don't let your mind go there. It's not allowed. It's completely inappropriate. It's a student. I can't even I don't even know how old the girl was. Even if she was 21. I don't think that there was any sexual you know, intercourse involved. Thank God with that. But still, the fact that he was doing this with so many female students, it's like, Bro, get off your high horse, man, who you think you freaking are, like you own, you know, the whole state of Louisiana. Give me a freaking break. Girls aren't going to be freaking chilling with you. You're an old man. You're disgusting. But some girls are attracted to that. And I'm not saying anything bad about women here. Some girls are attracted to that power. 
So you could say it goes both ways, but bottom line is he's disgusting, totally inappropriate. He's out of college uh, coaching right now, and I hope it remains that way. So that's my tomatoes for the week, guys. Had to go. Yeah, yeah no, uh, he definitely deserves that. Also, LSU for covering up for so many years. Like me, I'm from Louisiana, LSU fan, had no clue about this story until just now when it, you know, the past week when he got fired by Kansas. So you have to also throw tomatoes at them for covering this up. And for me, I understand it's, you know, in a, it's not appropriate because of his position of power, right? And that he could somehow he could very well use his power to say, oh, if you don't do this, then you won't be able to do this on campus and things like that. So that's what we have to look at. We don't have to, can't just say, you know, it's just an old guy and young girls. It's a guy with power who can use his power in a dangerous way um, to ask for sexual favors or anything like this. It could have escalated, um, is my point, for what he was doing. And like you said, there are some girls who would be into it just because he is the head coach at LSU. And if you have been anywhere around the South with a football program like that, you're the head coach at LSU, Alabama, Florida, Florida State. You're going to have power that you probably can't even imagine. And unfortunately, this story isn't – it's not rare, right? Those guys with no. that type of power and what they can do and how their influence their – influence can just be a shadow over everything in a bad way or a good way. Hopefully we can see more stories of it being an influence in a good way instead of ways like this. So my tomatoes, I'm going to help throw tomatoes at Les Miles and at LSU for covering this up. All right, well, I, I appreciate that. And yep, it's out there. And now everybody knows you can't hide behind the social media world anymore, Nikki. No. And I mean, to me, it's just, uh, it is so beyond disgusting and beyond words. And um, there are people in so many industries who try to do uh, the same thing and it's disgusting. And you know what, for me with this whole thing, I don't know who the bigger piece of shit is the guy in power abusing it or everybody covering it up. So it's just disgusting all around. So maybe we should um, do a round of applause instead and do something happy and positive. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll make my round of applause very quick. And it just pertains to the NBA. Not not really the All-Star Weekend, but the just how much fun the guys were having playing the game on the court. Steph Curry's smiling. Giannis smiling all over the place. LeBron didn't even play that much. He wanted the other guys to get in. But all these guys are having the time of their lives out there. And you love to see the greatest players get together. Of course, it was very high scoring. And yes, a lot of three-pointers, but I'm okay with that. It's the all-star game. They didn't have as many dunks as I, was, as I would have liked. And I don't know what the hell happened to Zion Williamson, to be honest with you. He missed like three or four dunks. That freaked me out. But I guess he was just out there having a good time. But the bottom line is my quick round of applause will go to the players for having such a great time uh, you know, during the all-star game. And everybody got along, and it was a great thing. So... I just want to give my applause there because I know that we're running out of time in our first segment. And I want to make sure we get to your guys' uh, applause right now. So, Nikki, why don't you hit it up? 
Yeah, real quick, my applause goes to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle for spilling all the damn tea on the royal family. I was glued to my screen of the other 17 million people who watched it with my popcorn, and they just dropped bombs and called this family out for the racist pieces of crap that they probably are, that they founded this monarchy on. Um, Megan, you have done women so proud by standing up for yourself and your family and not letting your voice be silenced anymore. I am here for it. And it was so amazing. And I am so glad they did it. Very well done. Very well done. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Yep. Doing their own thing. It's just like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, it's all world and everything is cool. So I, I'm with you. Wonderful. Awesome. All right, Dean, let's get your applause before we get out of here for the first segment and come on back with a whole lot more goodies. So my round of applause goes to the NBA for um, donating so much money and attention to HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities um, that are underfunded and need this type of money and this type of exposure to be able to get more enrollment into these universities. There were times where these universities were a lot more popular and just a lot more popularized, right? And you look at the 90s with TV shows like Martin and the Fresh Prince, you see them wearing gear from like Morgan State and uh, Florida A&M. And you would see those colleges just get that exposure they don't get today. So shout out to NBA for donating so much money and so much exposure to HBCUs. Uh, no doubt that that's a, that's a great call. And that, that whole night was revolved around that, right? Nikki, that, that's an excellent call. It really is. That's great. I mean, that's the things we need to hear. Those are the stories we love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally love it. That's, that's an excellent shot at right there. Excellent round of applause. And uh, the players were all about it. I know LeBron's team won every quarter, but I believe that they were able to give to KD's charity as well. And uh, again, an all around great job by the NBA and the players and the players are speaking out and I absolutely love it. And that's a little tease for what's coming soon. We got rant of the week, Mount play a play and knowledge for Nikki, a whole bunch of stuff. Third and three podcast. We're coming back in 60 seconds and enjoy the music break. Papa was a copper and the mama was a hippie. In Alabama, she was swinging a hammer. Racy got a pay when you pick the panorama. She never knew that there was anything more than four. What in the world does your company take me for? Black bandana, sweet Louisiana. Robbing on a bank in the state of Indiana. She's a runner, rebel and a stunner. Hung them everywhere saying, baby, what you gonna? Looking down the barrel of a hot man of 45. Just another way to survive. Get a little from your rest in peace. We're back.
back. We're back. Third and three podcast kicking your ass. Nikki, Damien, and me, Jason Fearman, all with you all the time, Wednesday nights, and giving you everything before the news actually gets out there. That's why we're the prophets of the universe and the perfect triangle of podcasting. So we got a lot more to go, and we've been running this segment of building the perfect player. We did quarterback, we did running back, and Damien, it is wide receiver time, baby. Yes, sir. Time to pick the perfect wide receiver. And, you know, last week we did the running back. We've done the quarterback. So, of course, you got to get to the diva position of wide receiver. Of course. I mean, obviously, (laughs) I mean, let's not let's be real. You know, this is an important one. And I feel like we can go all over the place. So I can't wait to hear what you guys got. I got my own. Last week, I surprised you with a little Larry Centers. I don't know if I'm going to do that uh, this week, but hopefully you looked. (laughs) You and I were like, who? (laughs) (laughs) I love a good diva, though. I was excited for this one. Oh, man. Yeah, you got to love Jason for bringing back the knowledge like that. Yeah. (laughs) Make me look up who Larry Centers was. And just to go over what we're going to do here, if you haven't caught the last two weeks, what are you doing? First of all, <laughs> if you haven't cut, if you didn't catch the last two weeks, we built the perfect QBs and running backs today. We're doing the wide receiver and we break it down by different categories. So for the perfect wide receiver, we have to look at size, blocking ability, speed, route running, strength, run after catch, hands, of course, jumping, your TD celebration, which is very important. Yeah. And, like- <laughs> and of course, the best wide receiver to have a drink with. So I'm very excited to get started with the perfect wide receiver. Let's start with size and let's start with Nikki. Um, whose frame are you putting all these skills into? Um, for me, it was really not even a question. I like me a Calvin Johnson type, 6'5", 235, pure muscle. I like a bigger guy here at wide receiver someone who can you know also block beat defenders so so give me like a beastly guy like a calvin johnson yeah really good pick right there calvin johnson was building a lab (laughs) you look at him so yeah i can't argue against that at all who do you have jason nikki real quick did your husband uh, have any input on this one he didn't no he was on a work call so he was he was bummed but Um, all right right. well we'll still let him get his in and uh, (laughs) back to us but um just basically rewind what nikki said and that's my answer i got calvin johnson too she said it's six feet tall still ran a four four uh in the 40 that guy was amazing you know he had everything that you want his career was too short uh kind of juxtaposed that to barry sanders in detroit what calvin johnson could have done with his career had he stuck around longer but as far as size goes yeah i think that he was basically as perfect as you get yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Calvin Johnson, 6'5", 235, just chiseled. He was like a statue. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. Just coming out of the draft, seeing him out of Georgia State, or Georgia Tech, excuse me, uh, craziness, man. So, yeah, we have a trifecta on that one with size with Calvin Johnson. So now, since we have the size, who's blocking mentality? Who's the blocking receiver that you want to put into his this body let's start with Jason well there are a lot of good ones there's no doubt but it really did not take me long to pick my number one and all I had to do was remember the uh, black and gold 
and this wide receiver was more like an offensive lineman with the way he played. Heinz Ward was the best blocking wide receiver I've ever seen. He would get in there and stuff it up at the big guys if he had to. You know, he didn't always get the ball thrown to him, but he was one of those playmakers that could, you know, not just block or, you know, he could do a whole bunch of things. But his blocking ability and his mentality, his toughness, he would throw people on the ground. And again, he's a wide receiver who's not big. Kind of remind you of Steve Smith a little bit, who's just, you know, like, like tough as nails and, and will do anything. But Heinz Ward was not just ready to block. He was great at it. So he's my pick. Great pick right there, Heinz Ward. They changed rules because of Heinz Ward and um, his blocking. Some people thought it was a little dirty. some of the some of the hits that you saw out there i remember him breaking uh, i believe it was a Bengals player's jaw Mm. on a block that's Uh, right yeah so heinz ward man he was nasty um who did you go with with nikki uh calvin john no (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i could take him for every category um but i just want to real quick you guys you need to work on this i feel like we need a sound effect when we hit a trifecta on something I don't oh, know that. if D's oh, got to come good. up with something or Jay's <laughs> got to find a drop, but we got to get something. Feels like we need something. How about That's this? True. That one <laughs> like a joke. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, come up. <laughs> we'll work on it. Do homework. We'll come back next week and regroup and, and get something for you guys. Um, so for right, blocking. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I was, I was thinking of going Heinz Ward, but just to change it up a little bit, um, you know who I really like for blocking Brandon Marshall in this category as well. Yeah. Physically imposing, like just bigger than anyone he would go up against one of the best stiff arms around. So, you know what? I feel like he often gets overlooked because the career didn't end so great, but like Brandon Marshall in his prime, one of the top blockers for me. I think that's it's a, a great ball, thing. Yeah, no, that's a great pick. Brandon Marshall was definitely a very good blocker. Unfortunately, you know, he played with Jay Culler for most of his career, so he didn't really get to play in the playoffs uh, <laughs> that much. Oh, burn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for blocking, you guys both picked two great ones. I went with Steve Smith Sr. Uh, he was somebody who you, you mentioned, very physical, didn't mind getting in there, getting dirty. The smaller, stronger guys like Heinz Ward, like Steve Smith, uh, had to you know prove their worth out there. So I like Steve Smith there, but all three were very, very good picks. So yeah, now I pick a lot, man. I mean, I, like, yeah. like I said, I mentioned his name, so I, I'm with you all the way, bro. Definitely, definitely. So now it's time to talk about that vroom, that speed. <laughs> I like that. Did you did you practice that, or that just came to you? just came to me just now Uh, that makes it even better we don't rehearse anything not a damn thing obviously so when it comes to speed which wide receiver would go into the perfect wide receiver body let's start with nikki on this one oh i just wrote tyreek hill and that was it (laughs) yeah yeah no if anybody epitomizes the sound yeah it's Tyreek Hill. <laughs> so that's a very good pick right there. Who did you go with, Jay? Uh, you'd have to be insane to pick anybody else. I'm going with Tyreek Hill also. Absolutely. 100%. I don't need, do, I, do I need to explain myself? No, I don't. Nikki did it already. That's it. I, when you have the nickname Cheetah, I yeah. don't know who any nickname that 
can relate to a faster thing than, I don't know, the, the, the speed of light maybe is the only other thing. So if they come up with that, then maybe that guy will be faster. But until then, it's Tyree Kill for me. Yeah, we have another trifecta here. Um, Tyree Kill, fastest wide receiver I've ever seen. When Deion Sanders says, like, I know I couldn't keep up with him if I was playing today, mm. that's a fast dude. <laughs> like that, yeah. that's a fast dude because when you think about Dion, the fact that Dion would even admit that means that that dude is moving and Tyreek Hill it's it's crazy how fast he is there's definitely some other ones we could have mentioned you know Randy Moss comes to mind with his speed but it was just a, it was different it was a smooth glide so it seemed like he wasn't running fast until he was past you and you're like oh that dude's fast yeah. he, just, <laughs> he just, just just glided past me just now um, so usually with the taller guys it's hard but with Tyree Kill you can tell right away because his feet are moving so fast and some of the plays you see where he, he's not even catch the ball sometimes it's like his running back breaks one and you see him running catching up to the running back and right. hugging him <laughs> before he gets there so yeah Tyree Kill is absolutely amazing with his speed. Probably could be a world-class track runner if he concentrated on that. Yeah, there you go. Look, trifecta again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I, I definitely feel like I need to come up with a sound, a sound yeah. effect for that. Yeah. All right. So that speed doesn't mean anything if they don't know how to run a route correctly. So whose route running would you put into the perfect route receiver's body? Let's start with Jay on this one. Well, th this guy, you know, he wasn't the fastest, he wasn't the quickest, he wasn't the strongest by any means, but to me, there's not many others that can compare with Jerry Rice. He ran every route on the tree all the way up to nine, if you know what the route tree is, and he did it all to perfection, the way that he was able to use his eyes when quarterback, um, excuse me, when cornerbacks would look at your eyes to see where the ball is coming. Jerry Rice wouldn't put his hands out until the last second to make sure that the cornerback didn't know where the ball was. He had every trick in the book, but again, the route running, precise. Nobody ever ran a slant route better than him. Stop and goes, amazing. Even short routes to the outside. He was able to do everything. And once he got the ball, he was great in the open field. There's no doubt about it. So Jerry Rice, route running for me, I really couldn't think of another guy, to be honest with you. Of course, that's a great pick. You could pick Jerry Rice for every category. Yep. Um, <laughs> he's definitely, uh, he, you know, greatest wide receiver of all time, without a doubt. So Jerry Rice, route running, like you said, it wasn't the fastest guy, came out of a small college, so he had to be great when it came to the technical stuff, the small stuff. And he was awesome at it. So great pick right, right there. Who do and you have? Big shout out to his work ethic forward. He wouldn't have been that way if he didn't have that hill you got to climb and do all, yeah, amazing work ethic when and he worked out 12 months a year, man. So that's what made him the greatest wide receiver ever. No, very true. And he was one of the early people on that. Usually back then, you know, you had your people that would take off their three, four months and then get back into shape during training camp and stuff like that. But he was one of the pioneers of the year-round workouts that now all players do. So Jerry Rice, man, ahead of his time and probably still can go out there and get, you know, two catches for 20 yards if he wanted to because he stayed in such good shape. Now, Nikki, who do you have for route running? Um, before I get to mine, I just, you know, if you guys were uh, NFL players, would you work out all year or would you take the time off? Like, I feel like I would work out all year because I just, I don't know, to take like three, four months off and then try to get back into it. Like mentally, that's just not good for me. I'd rather just stick to it all year. 
Yeah, for me, I probably would take off maybe two months, two, not two months, but two weeks to a month max, right? Like after the season and just to recover from the wear and tear of the season. But then I'll get right back to it because then that's my body is my job. So for me, I would have to make sure that I'm always on point and you're not going to catch me slipping at all. And I would be, I know I'll be outside. The way I am about podcasts, it would be the way I am about playing. I would be obsessed about it, constantly trying to get better. So yeah, it would definitely just be a short break coming out of the season. Same thing for me. Damien said it well, so I'll, I'll make it quick. That's your body. That's what you do. That's what you work with. You know, that's your job. So yes, you have to keep in shape. Of course, and I would take a two, maybe three week break, um, not just sitting around and eating a whole bunch of junk food or whatever, but I would also take my, my workouts a little bit more lightly in the first month or two and then really start pumping away. But you got to make sure you stay in shape. You can't lose it. All right, great. I just did my informal surveys I like to do. So I appreciate you contributing to it. Um, But anyway, so route running. um, Yeah, I feel like you probably probably could go a few places here. But for me, I went Steve Smith Sr. um, Great field awareness, quick feet, deep speed that threatened any coverage. Um, so if you put that all together, that just makes an outstanding route runner and nothing infuriates me more than watching a wide receiver run a terrible route. I just want to rip my hair out of my head because they can't separate. They can't. It's just like, it is so friggin' infuriating to watch. We all hate you. All the tomatoes get thrown at you. So this is a, this is a very important one. Very important. <laughs> it sounds like you have some personal, you know, just history. Yes. With watching <laughs> <laughs> some bad receivers who don't know how to run routes. You know, anybody you want to name who, you know, you just want to throw tomatoes at? Oh, Evan Ingram. Of <laughs> course. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and it's always good when you have like a QB on the broadcast who points out the bad route. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, well, the QB threw an interception here, but if you watch the receiver, watch him round it out and not square it off. You see yeah. that right there? That's right. That's so, yeah, right. Nah, it's always classic to see that. And you could tell, too, when you see those routes. But someone who didn't round off their routes, always squared it off, great footwork, could run every route in the route tree. Um, he's more known for being a character, but his route running was tremendous. Chad Ochocinco. Yeah. Um, yeah, great, great route runner, man. He like he was, man. It was crazy to watch him get open. Always get separation. In those Cincinnati days, he was always open. Like he said, it, he was seven eleven, always open. And he had a reason to talk that type, that type of trash because he was so good at running routes, man. So I had to go chat Ocho Cinco on that one. I think that's a great call and a very underrated one that a lot of people wouldn't think of, like you said, because he's known for more of his off-field antics or on the sideline antics with the Hall of Fame jacket and all that stuff. But he was a great route runner, so I give you I give you credit there, bro. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So now let's talk about strength. Now, when we talk about strength with a receiver, a lot of people go back to blocking. They're like, you already talked about blocking, but – we talk about strength, man. You got to get off the line of scrimmage. You got a lot of very strong cornerbacks who are good at jamming you at the line of scrimmage. Who's the receivers who had the strength to get off the line? Uh, let's start with Nikki. Um, so for strength, I went with Anquan Bolden. Oh, good one. 
Um, I just, I feel like he was one of the strongest receivers to ever play. And one of the toughest receivers out there is almost nothing that this guy couldn't do. Excellent at going across the middle, being able to take a big hit. He was strong enough to use his body, get separation in the bump and run. And you guys remember the 2008 hit, the jet safety helmet to helmet. Well, this dude, he had surgery seven plates and 40 screws in his face and he only missed two games if that doesn't say strong and tough i don't know what does that's well done yeah nah it's well done hard to follow that one up um but i know if anybody can do it it's jason so who do yeah. you have for strength <laughs> pulling uh, somebody out of his ass uh, 1970. Well, <laughs> i think you guys may actually agree with me and i wonder if he has the same one this guy so strong if getting off the line not a problem he can do it with his moves or with his strength and when you did try to tackle him it was extremely hard he would run through people he would stiff arm you he was so strong and when you talk about a greek god carved that you know chiseled out of stone that's still standing you talk about terrell owens that's the mm. guy he is strong as hell we all know it he's a beast He's not afraid of anybody. I mean, he did get that hit from George Teague and, and whatnot, but that was well-deserved. But Owens, man, so freaking strong and able to struggle off tackles. And that's why they gave him end-arounds and things like that, because they knew that if he can get past this one or two, one or two guys using his strength, he's going to get in the end zone. So Terrell Owens for me, bro. That's a really good one. T.O., like you said, still to this day, looks like he could play wide receiver because of his workout routine, how strong he is. Great call right there. Uh, With mine, I went with a modern day guy, someone who is putting up historic stats. I think will be a Hall of Famer one day. Julio Jones. Mm. I think Mm. his his strength is crazy getting off the line. You can't really jam him. And he's also somebody who's very good at route running as well. His name could be in that conversation as well. Um, Julio Jones, great hands. Gotta love it uh, with his strength as well. And speaking of strength, this is part of it. It's when you get the ball, being able to continue to go downfield afterwards. Your rack, as they call it, the run after catch. (laughs) So who do you have for run after catch? Let's start with Jay on this one. All right. Well, run after, you know, like I was talking about with Darrell Owens in the open field, how hard it is to to not only tackle him, but catch him because he was so fast and he can make moves around you. And he did everything. Same guy. I'm going with Owens for run after catch. Also, he was unbelievable whether you threw him a screen pass or you hit him for a 10 yard out or slant, whatever it was. When he got the ball in his hands, he was going to make something happen after his yak is Unfreaking believable. He just again, like I told you before, wipe go wipe players away away from him. He ran around him, ran over him, and he was so fast. His speed is something that isn't acknowledged as much as well because when he was running those straight goal routes, he was beating every single cornerback that was there. So again, with run after the catch, Terrell Owens, man, that guy knew how to get into the end zone. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot of his plays and highlights, you see a slant. You see him break a tackle, and then he's gone. Yeah. So, yeah, when you talk about running after catch, T.O. is definitely one of the best of all time. Who do you have, Nikki? Uh, Randy Moss. That's it. That's the tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Randy Moss. 
Now, Randy Moss, definitely, he his is underrated. That's a good call because we think about him with the deep routes and already being so close to the end zone. But especially earlier in his career, he can catch a screen pass and just go. Mm-hmm. And, like, <laughs> when you catch a screen, like, literally just zero yards down the field, catch it, and run past people who are 20 yards ahead of you. Yeah. Like, it's just <laughs> just ridiculous, man. Like, some of those highlights of him catching screen passes just running past people with those long strides. Like I said, he's gliding past you. You're like, okay, he's not moving that fast. And then, boom, <laughs> he's just past you. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a good call, Randy Moss. Um, I also went with T.O. Because T.O., like I said, the slant routes where he would catch it, break a tackle, and then just be gone. Um, he did a little short time in Philly. There was a lot of those type of highlights where he was in his prime prime right there. And yeah. just catch it and go. And like I said, the strength combined with how fast he was uh, made him one of the best of all time. So shout out to Terrell Owens and Randy Moss when it comes to yards after catch and rack right there. But none of this matters. Not the size, (laughs) the blocking, the speed, route running strength, yards after catch. None of that matters if you can't catch the ball. Right. And we've all had receivers on our teams that we've yelled at. You talked about the route running. We've had receivers who could run the perfect route. The ball hit them in their hands is like two bricks. Mm-hmm. We've all had that. <laughs> so we know how important it is to have good hands, to be able to catch the ball. I have a feeling we might have a trifecta here, but we'll see. Let's start with Jay. Whose hands will go on the perfect route receiver? I hope we have a trifecta because the first guy that came to mind was pretty much the last. I didn't have to think about it too much because I haven't seen this player drop a pass literally until this year. And he's been in the NFL for, I think, 16 years. And that's Larry Fitzgerald. The guy caught every single pass thrown to him, no matter where it was, whether it was with one hand, two hands, no hands. It didn't make a difference. He was incredible. Credit the gloves all you want. I don't care. They're all wearing them. It doesn't make a difference. But his hands, and he was another guy who did not let the ball come into his chest. He caught it with his hands and still is doing it to this day. So Larry Fitzgerald for me, Dick. Very good call right there. Who do you have, Nikki? Oh, yeah. I mean, you didn't even have to think about this, right? Like Larry <laughs> Fitzgerald. I mean, this dude, you know what? Not only do you not drop, he never drops the ball. He makes these like acrobatic catches. He's my age, which I won't broadcast to the <laughs> public. But like, I, I mean, I do yoga and shit every day, but like he, some of his stuff is just phenomenal. And just to build off of that, throw you guys some stats here, um, just because I was interested in looking it up. He ranks second all time in receptions and receiving yards. And he's only Cherry Rice, the only one ahead of him. Like he ranks six all time receiving touchdowns. And he has more tackles in his career than drops. It's just amazing. Uh, you know wow. what? No, yeah, nobody else for this category. Living legend, Larry Fitzgerald. That's an amazing stat. He's got more tackles than drops. He has 39 tackles and 29 drops. That's incredible. What wow. That. that also says a lot about the quarterbacks he's played with. The fact that he has 39 tackles. Um, because they all came on interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> um, so, you know, so that means he's a pretty good tackler as well. Uh, which comes, you know, has you have to have good hands to get that grip on the tackle. But yeah, Larry Fitzgerald, hands, no doubt. Like you good. said, the when he dropped that ball this year, mm. I said I tweeted out, "This is the most 2020 thing ever." Like it had to happen <laughs> in 2020. 
Larry Fitzgerald because he, he caught the he had his hand under the ball, but it bounced out and he actually got intercepted. I was like, oh, that you know, that's just super weird. The fact that that happened. That's the you know just 2020 in a nutshell. The fact Larry Fitzgerald dropped the pass and it got intercepted. Uh, but yeah, his hands are ridiculous, man. You think about what he's able to do. And actually, I want to add one more category just off the cuff here. I just thought about it. I should have added this in earlier, but feet. And we'll get to that at the end, though. When I say feet, I'm talking about the ability to drag the toes, sideline, do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll get to that at the end, just to give you a little while to think about it. But before we get to feet, jumping, right? It's a big thing to be able to jump in the air, catch the ball, uh, even jump you know, sideways, left or right, to have that catch radius that you'll see on like something like sports science. I remember watching sports science and they, they measured the catch radius of a certain wide receiver. I think it was Megatron. And his catch radius was something crazy because he's so tall and so athletic that he can catch a ball like 12 feet away from him because he was so, you know, just crazy athletic. So when it comes to jumping, whose hops would go into the perfect wide receiver, Nikki? Oh man, jump ball battle. This is another one I love. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like you could go Larry Fitzgerald with Calvin, Calvin Johnson here too. I think probably do them for every category. Uh, but I'm going to throw a little bit of love to my guy, Plaxico Burris in his prime, a dangerous jump ball receiver. I mean, watching him elevate and then come down with the ball for six was a freaking thing of beauty. I could watch his highlight reel all day and maybe i did a little bit longer last night because i was (laughs) so happy to watch it um but his mix of athleticism and just having that veteran know-how um it was just damn near unstoppable great call right there plexico tall receiver can go up and get it with the best of them at the high point so i like that pick right there who do you have jay i like that pick too but when you have an entire section a segment named after you. Yeah. <laughs> you can jump so high. And when you got Moss, I mean, you got Moss, bro. All right. So Randy Moss is the dude. To me, there's no question as far as jumping. He was that guy who said, just throw me the damn ball. They can't hang with me, man. Just throw me the damn ball up there. And I'm not talking about Keyshawn Johnson. Randy Moss, <laughs> you got lost. End of story. Yeah. No, that's who I had to Randy Moss, like you said, he had a, it became a verb. Whenever you have an action that you do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that becomes a verb and it becomes used by many out there, you have to be put into this category. Like you got Moss is a real thing. Like there's kids right now, right? Not right now, oh. but kids that would normally be out playing football who haven't, didn't see Randy Moss in his prime. But we'll jump over somebody and say, I just mossed you. That's right. D, you know, you know, I'm a phys ed teacher. I hear it 1500 times a day. (laughs) I swear to God. Oh, shoot. You just got lost, man. Every day. I'm like, you know what? I got to come up with another receiver and teach these guys what's going on. But you know what? (laughs) It is everybody. it's, It's become like a phenomenon. It's really amazing. Yeah, so yeah, Randy Moss, when he comes to jumping, it's his highlights are ridiculous. The one over Charles Woodson, who's one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time, is amazing. Like, I use that picture whenever I can. 
Um, I think <laughs> so. I, lo- I love some of the pictures of Randy Moss, Moss and people. The still frame of him at the highest point with the cornerback. Sometimes the cornerback at that point is coming down already. And you see him just looking up like, really? You're still in the air? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, Randy Moss, man. Ridiculous. Yeah. So now when you combine all these things, you got to get to the TD celebration, right? Who, when they got to the end zone, you couldn't wait to see what they were willing to do with their celebration. They have a little more freedom now than they had back in the day with the celebrations. But which wide receiver will make the best TD celebration for the perfect wide receiver? Uh, let's start with Jay on this one. Honestly, D, because I really don't like a lot of the end zone celebrations anymore. A lot of them are team oriented, which is pretty cool, but nobody's really like come up with some sort of, um, uh, you know, like, you know, Colin Kaepernick would make the muscle. Like, I don't, nobody has that anymore, but you know who invented everything and did it the right way and you knew exactly what was coming and everybody in Houston when they were the Oilers were going to get up and go nuts when Billy White shoes Johnson. I hope you guys like that. <laughs> if you don't, go back and look it up like Larry Centers. He made TV celebrations a thing. He was the guy who was clapping his, his feet together and doing almost like the chicken dance at the same time every time he got in the end zone. So Billy White Shoes Johnson named White Shoes because of his cleats and the way that he was dancing in the end zone. He was the first guy to really do that. So I'm going to give credit to the pioneer. Okay, no, that's a good one right there. I did the Billy White Shoes celebration before playing flag football. I didn't even know who it was, but you just know a celebration. So that's a really good, that's a really good pick right there. Um, what do you have, Nikki? Chad Ochocinco. I mean, <laughs> or he could go T.O. I mean, it was so entertaining. Like, and I did love when Odell Beckham Jr. peed on uh, the Philly end zone. That, that was always great for me. But yeah, no, I mean, they just put on a hell of a, a performance. Chad Ochocinco with the cape and like, you don't know what they were doing. So either one of the two for me. Yeah, those are two really good picks right there. Um, Just a sidetrack real quick. When Odell did the whole peeing on a hydrant thing, mm-hmm. I, why did people get offended by that? I didn't understand, like, why that was such a, just a big talking point. People are like, oh, my God, I can't believe he acted like he was a dog peeing on a hydrant. Yeah. I'm you like, know, he was marking his territory in the end zone. Like, that's <laughs> obviously saying that, oh, this is my house. This is my territory, the end zone. Like, it's a, I got the celebration. I didn't get why people were offended by that. They said it was classless and he was class. You know who's classless? Freaking Eagles fans. Okay. So <laughs> go ahead, Odell. Lift your leg all over that place. I don't know, guys. Let, let me tell you, to be honest with you, I, like I said, I'm not big on end zone celebrations. I didn't take offense to it. That's not the word. I just found it to be like, really? That's that's what you're doing? Like, I get the marking your territory and that's cool in itself like to, to, to you know to think of it and you know c- kind of witty to be honest with you but at the same time it's like not that he's an animal obviously but it's like you're portraying yourself as an animal like a dog like peeing on a fire hydrant or something like that I don't know it didn't sit well with me offended no but I I don't know I just didn't really personally like it so I don't know I guess I disagree a little bit on that but besides the point <laughs> <laughs> no but I always like the celebrations like she said T.O. Chad Cinco are both really good celebrations. Uh, if you want, you know, the ones that are quote unquote offensive, honestly, are the best ones. Yeah. Peeing on the, the fire hydrant, uh, Randy Moss, fake mooning, 
the Green Bay Packers fans, like for me, it's like, oh, this is what I came for. This is awesome. <laughs> so it's something about, you know, the with Randy Moss, especially with Randy Moss, is it's like that one was personal because he got mooned by the fans as they were coming in on the bus and he fake mooned them. Like, what? honestly, he could have really mooned them and that would have been classic. That, if he that would have <laughs> did that. Say, at least he didn't and showed some class. <laughs> but I, that one I liked. I did like that one because he didn't, I mean, you know, he, he faked it. It's not like he actually pulled his freaking pants down. So I'm cool with that one. <laughs> yeah. So, but T.O. Chalcio Cinco is a tie for me as well between those two. The Hall of Fame jacket, which is ironic because Chalcio Cinco probably won't make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, T.O., the pom poms, the popcorn. Uh, even, you know, uh, I know Dallas fans didn't like it when he stood on the star, but even when he came back to Dallas and stood on the, small star in the end zone with his first touchdown uh was classic and when he did the Ray the Ray Lewis celebration mm-hmm. like yeah. the fact that he had the nerves to do that by Ray Lewis that takes some balls man so <laughs> I have I have to give him respect for that one so T.O. Chadwick Cinco is a tie for me as well so now let's get back to what I mentioned earlier feet so when I'm talking about feet you know twinkle toes Who's the wide receivers who are good at keeping their toes in bounds or being able to move in certain ways? So let's start with Jason. Whose feet would be on a perfect wide receiver? All right. I got three guys that came to mind. I'll tell you the other two after in case we agree on it. But uh, we're talking about Randy Moss. That's another uh, aspect of his game that people don't think about as much. He was incredible at keeping his feet in bounds. I remember this one time he was running 750 miles an hour playing against Dallas in, in uh, playing against the Cowboys. And he literally stopped on a dime in the back of the end zone, extended his arms out and caught a touchdown pass. That was one of three that day, that classic day that he had. Uh, I think it might've even been a Thanksgiving game, but besides yeah, it, was. This point, it was right. Thank you. So, but on the sidelines, everything, he was always in bounds, always knew where he was. And that gives him that extra intellect factor knowing where he was on the field at all times. So I went with him, number one. I got two and three, but I'm curious to hear what you guys got. No, that's a really good one. That catch that you're talking about, man, craziness. I never craziness. Seen like, <laughs> I mean, I, I've never seen anything like this. This guy was running so fast, I thought he was going to go through the, you know, the wall. And he just stops and catches, extends his arms out. I'm like, what human being can do that? And that's when I knew aliens existed on the planet. <laughs> if anybody's an alien it's him and calvin johnson so i definitely agree with that one um nikki who do you have for feet um you know what i'm gonna just i'm gonna go back to my my basics here the field awareness the quick feet field awareness is everything so i know there's probably a lot of guys to pick from but for right now i'm just gonna give it to uh steve smith uh senior since i chose him for route running oh, that's a good one steve smith was somebody who because he was smaller had to have great feet and was able to stay in bounds and do all the things that, you know, people with great feet do. There's a lot of wide receivers you can name here. For me, I took it back to Randy Moss's teammate, Chris Carter. Mm. Oh, good call. Yeah, great feet. He was one of the first people who was known for being able to stay in bounds, tippy-toe and keep it in. So I had to go with Chris Carter there. Who are the other people you had in mind, Jason? Well, I just want to say real quickly that Chris Carter was basically Larry Fitzgerald's mentor. So that's really interesting that, you know, we all had it for hands right there. Um, I had DeAndre Hopkins and Tyler Lockett. We've seen oh. what Tyler Lockett 
too. But DeAndre Hopkins has made unbelievable plays on the sideline where you're like, did he really stay in bounds? And then you see the slow, you know, the slow motion replay and you're like, holy shit, he really did. He, he's amazing. Yeah, no, those are two really good ones as well. And when you combine all these attributes, you also need somebody who's cool, somebody who's a good hang. Who's the wide receiver that you want to have a drink with? Let's start with Nikki. Um, you know who I want to like hang with just just more so. So we're talking like probably like I don't know what, like two drinks probably just chill out, shoot the breeze. That's what I like to do. For me, that'd be Larry Fitzgerald. This dude loves this game. Like I said, living legend. His knowledge is insane. So just to sit with him, pick his brain would be amazing. That's a really good pick right there, Larry Fitzgerald. Seems like a super cool guy. All the little local commercials you see here in Arizona. Um, he seems really, really cool as well. So that's a good pick. Who would you have, Jay? All right, I'm going to give mine real quick so we can uh, recap it after this segment. I would have it be with Michael Irvin, actually, because he's very intelligent. He's a leader. He's a champion, very outgoing energy. He can see, lo- loves to talk, a lot of dialogue. So, you know, sometimes he can get, you know, loose lips and you get a little, uh, you know, personal you know, a little info inside the NFL and that bam, there you go. You got a story or something like that, but no, I think he'd be really interesting and really cool to sit down and have a couple of drinks with. I like Michael Irvin in that aspect. Okay. That's a good one right there. Um, someone else who we could have mentioned in TD celebrations um, that we didn't, he was not an all time great, but definitely had his time being a good receiver. Joe Horn, um, Joe Horn, somebody uh-huh. who's um, very interesting uh, had his own barbecue rub. Uh, also has had just a very interesting um, story throughout his life. So I always want to sit down and have some drinks with Joe Horn, especially being a Saints fan to remember his days. Um, so we're going to go ahead and take our next break on the third and three podcast. When we come back, recap the perfect wide receiver and do so much more. We'll be right back on third and three. receiver and we had a couple of trifectas in there but uh now we're ready to go back over who we had and damien's going to take it from here and then we're going to get into our rant of the week we got mount player player we got knowledge with nikki so we got a lot more show for you guys it's going to be a lot of fun so damien 
We just went over every category from size to blocking to jumping to having a beer. So let's go over it, bro. Yes, sir. So we just built the perfect wide receiver. You mentioned some of the categories, size, blocking, speed, route running, strength, run after catch, hands, jumping, TD celebration, feet, and, you know, best hang as a wide receiver, best wide receiver to have a drink with. So let's start with the recap of those categories. Let's go ladies first, Nikki. All right, let's do it. So size, Calvin Johnson, blocking, Brandon Marshall, speed, Tyreek Hill, route running and feet, Owen Steve Smith, uh, strength, Anquan Bolden, run after the catch, Randy Moss, hands, living legend, Larry Fitzgerald, jump ball battle, Plexico Burris, TD celebration, Chad Ochocinco or T.O., I'd have a drink with Larry Fitzgerald. And I think I probably built some hybrid of Larry Fitzgerald and Calvin Johnson. Okay. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one right there. Uh, let's get your recap, Jay. All right. Uh, for size, I agree. Uh, six foot five, uh, 4.4 second 40 Calvin Johnson for size blocking. I went with Heinz Ward. He was fierce. Damien, Damien even mentioned they had to change some of the rules because of how great he was at blocking speed. Tyree Kill, another trifecta. Route running, Jerry Rice. Nobody did it better than him, in my opinion. Strength, Terrell Owens. Very, very hard to get down and very, very hard to get after the catch because I got him in run after the catch as well. So two for Owens over there. Hands, Larry Fitzgerald. No doubt about it. Jumping, you got Moss, Randy Moss. Hands down for me, or maybe hands up, actually. TD Celebration, I go to the original, the Pioneer. Billy White Shoes Johnson, was it the greatest dance ever? No, but he invented that stuff. So uh, that, that's awesome, man. I just love that. And uh, hey, having a beer, Michael Irvin, intelligent guy, played forever, Hall of Famer, champion, um, lots of dialogue, and he loves to talk. So I think I gained a lot of knowledge from him right there. And uh, yeah, have, have you know, throw back a few with Michael Irvin. So that's my list. And what makes up the ultimate wide receiver for me, which may be a little bit shocking because I actually hate this person. And normally you would think that Jerry Rice is the answer, but I think that Terrell Owens may be the best wide receiver that we had ever seen when it comes to all around talent and all these other categories. So I think that my best wide receiver comes out to be Owens and not even Rice or not even Moss guys. I mean, it's kind of weird for me surprised oh wow yeah i definitely know how you feel about to so i'm a little surprised to hear that one um <laughs> but not as when you look at to what he was able to accomplish during his career i can see why you come to that conclusion um so for my recap size we had our tri 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 factor we're gonna work it out you like it so we had a trifecta on that one with Megatron um, blocking out one with Steve Smith Sr. Speed was another trifecta with Tyreek Hill. Uh, route running that one with Chad Ochocinco. I think his route running was just excellent. Um, strength, I went with Julio Jones. For the rack or the yak, I went with Terrell Owens. Hands was a trifecta with Larry Fitzgerald. Jumping, Randy Moss. Um, T celebration, I had a tie between Teal and Chad Ochocinco. For feet, I went with Chris Carter. And wide receiver to have a drink with, I went with Joe Horn. And, of course, we all know the ultimate wide receiver when it comes to just career-wise is Jerry Rice. Um, but talent-wise, Megatron, man. 
Like, I feel like we've, we built Megatron mm-hmm. um, when you look at just the size, the speed, because he had all everything. Like, there was no yeah. weakness in Megatron's game. And if he wanted to play for 15 years, like Larry Fitzgerald, I think those stats would be up there with him. I agree, man. I, I, I really do. I agree. I agree. Some of these other guys' time got cut short for whatever reason. But, yeah, we've, we've seen a lot of great ones out there. We've been lucky. We have been lucky. So that was awesome. All right. So we built the perfect wide receiver. We did running back. We did quarterback. Who knows what we got next week? We can pick any position we want and that we will do because we do what we want on this show. And sometimes we like to rant and we're going to start ranting right now. Guys, I'm going to kick this off quickly over here with Zlatan and all those who tell players. And we've been down this road before, but it's coming up again. I'm getting really pissed off about it. These guys, players, or whoever it may be, public figures and Twitter trolls, like, you know, telling LeBron to shut up and dribble again. I wish I had a platform to speak on these issues that are influencing the world. When you have a platform for popular, beloved players, people are going to listen. And when it's a guy like LeBron, who has done so many good things off the court and obviously truly cares about people, all colors of people, they're going to listen, especially the younger generation now who looks at him like a god who need real life education other than in 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue or whether or not we put a comma in a fucking sentence. I applaud all those powerful voices using their stage to make positive change because I don't have that stage. You, you guys don't. We don't have the power to reach so many voices. Yeah, we can go on Twitter and Hope that thousands of people will listen to us and we can have a good conversation. But no, these guys are the ones who have the ability to speak. And you know what? Bravo. Keep speaking. Keep talking. Because you know what? Things have gotten done. I don't know how little. I don't know how big. But things have gotten done since the players really took a stance on this. And I feel like we're definitely moving in the right direction. But people like Zlatan the soccer player over here who not many really give a shit about, I'm sorry, you know, in the country, I guess, you shut up and you go fucking play, okay? Unless you have something good to say, which you tried to actually recently. So don't be a, a, a what do they call that? Uh, um, what's that word? Uh, hater? Not a hater. Uh, when, when you say something, but you don't let somebody else say something. Uh, An asshole. <laughs> a hypocrite. The word will come to me. But Zlatan basically saying what he wanted to say and then telling LeBron, no, just go ahead and play. No, I want these players to keep doing what they're doing because they're doing good in the world. So that's that's my rant of the week. Now, great rant. Uh, The hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So that that definitely was, you know, just dumb. So I'm, I'm definitely on board with your rant. Uh, let me go ahead and do my rant. We'll save the best for last with Nikki. She always comes with the, with yeah. the classic rants. Uh, for my rant this week, it, all right. So I don't want to go against what Nikki said earlier about, you know, the interview with the Royal family, but I just don't get why we care. Like <laughs> Why? Like I'm, this specific one, I get it because there was more into it. You know, you had the whole race issue and the, you know, exposure of the family for what they really are. So I get that portion of it. But throughout the years, 
why in America do we care what's going on over there, right? There's still stories to this day. Like right now, someone's writing a story about Princess Diana and she died in like 97, you know, rest in peace. It was, you know, horrible the way she went out. But why do we care so much? People like, oh, we know now what really happened to Princess Diana. What? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> why is this a headline right now? I don't get the fascination with the royal family here. I don't get it. Like, why do we care about what they're doing over there at all? Right. And for me also, I don't get how people are surprised that they're racist. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. When you think of, when you think of, I get like you being, you know, appalled by it, but to be surprised by it, to be caught off guard, really? You really were cut off guard that the royal family wanted to keep everything as bright as possible, <laughs> to, to put it in the best terms throughout their bloodline. You were really surprised by that? Really? Come on. You weren't surprised by that. If you think about racism in America, where did it start? Where did we get the history yeah. from? Like, come on. So you can't be surprised by that. So for my round of the week, I just don't understand the fascination with the royal family, why it matters. And, you know, some people come back at me and say like, oh, why are you so fascinated with sports? You don't know them personally? Because it's entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> with yeah. the royal family, most of it's not entertaining. It just doesn't matter. And it's, you know, like I said, the headlines will be from stuff 20, 25 years ago, and it'll still be coming up today on Inside Edition. We know what really happened to Princess Diana that night. Like, really? Stop it. We know, know what happened already. So, yeah, that's my round of week. I just don't get the fascination with the royal family. I think that's very interesting. And and, and I love how you went there because I don't get the, I, I don't get the fascination from like a fan perspective. But I, I do know, and I, this is not the time to get into it, that all these governments and certain ones are in different factions and cahoots and need to know what's going on with this, that and the other things. So that's the only thing that I can say. But overall, I totally agree with you. The, the fascination of this royal king and queen, and they have others in other countries too. Why aren't we fascinated by that? So you know what? Let's try to get fascinated with ourselves and get our own lives right, man. So not bad, D. Not bad over there, brother. Well, like you said, save the best for last, Nikki. Oh, man. All right. And for the record, I'm not fascinated by the family. I thought the interview was fascinating. Like, I don't know what they do. They like shake hands, wear, wear these weird hats and shit. Everything's so antiquated. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. But my rant. OK, I just I, I I think the publications are out to piss me off this week. And there's a lot of bagel slander going on this week because you know what? Very passionate about my bagels. I'm sitting here dreaming of like a toasted sesame bacon. cheese. <laughs> like, just, I need it. I love bagels so much that if that would be on my Mount Playa Playa of bagels and it would be number one. So I'm very passionate about it. And I'm talking like the bagels got to come from your local deli, not this bullshit that Duncan and Panera pedal out as like breakfast sandwich. Oh. That's crap. And it's disgusting. No. But I'm coming for you, Food and Wine magazine, because they just released their top 50 bagel shops in America. Okay. And only one shop in New Jersey made the list. One shop. Really? 
T-neck road, hot bagels. And that's an insult because bagel, milk, and freehold is freaking bomb. And they should be on that list. Now, a majority of this list is in New York. I'll give them that. Here's my issue. You're telling me that New Jersey deserves the same number of bagel places on this list as North Dakota, Illinois, Michigan, and Tennessee. It's a barren bagel wasteland. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Much like any of the bagels in those states, I am not buying it at all whatsoever. So food and wine, you look like absolute clowns with this ranking of yours. And I just, I am insulted. I am upset. It is a freaking joke. Who is writing this stuff? Because you obviously don't have anybody from the East Coast. You know what? You need to broaden your horizons. Why don't you come to Jersey and try it out? We'll give you pork roll, egg, and cheese. We sure will. And then maybe you could get your article right. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, did she come out and get just throwing the punches. You know what? Look, I gotta agree with you. Look, they only got one New Jersey. New Jersey and New York are like almost interchangeable when it comes to those sort of things. It's like it's all all in one. So I I don't really get that. And you know what? If you really want to make a true test, Nikki, I think the idea is bring everybody to New York. Let the New Yorkers try the try the bagels. Yes. Determine where they belong. Okay, thank you. I'm for that. I mean, really, Jay, a bagel in North Dakota? No, no, no. (laughs) Food and wine? No. And no offense from North Dakota, I, all three of you that live there, but yeah, your bagels. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, though. You might go to North Dakota, they might have a really good bagel shop in North Dakota. Like, for me, I'm not an expert on bagels. I only have them every once in a while. Like, I'm at work, somebody brings in the bagels, and I've had some good bagels, and, you know, I've had the ones that you talked about, the rubber ones, but again, I had to try the New York bagel to really you know, get why you guys are so amped up about this. So I really, I'm excited about my next trip to New York so I can try a bagel. Oh boy, you're going to love it. You're just absolutely, without a doubt. All right, so well done all around over there. Love it, love it. Ranting and rolling, it's a beautiful thing. All right, now we have reached Mount Playa Playa. So let's get into this and the way we've been doing it. We just started last week with the AFC East and we're talking about the four teams in the division and what they should do moving forward in the draft and in the offseason, the things that they need. So we're not going to necessarily name players or anything like that right now. We will get there eventually. There's no doubt we'll have our mock drafts and all that stuff, and I'll win, and uh, we'll figure out what prize I'm going to get at the end. But wow. for now... Uh, what? Uh, do you hear this? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He gets he gets it. He, he also knows I drafted the best team in our, in our draft, but that's another conversation. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Yeah, by the way, D, that was a well done job by you. And you also drafted an excellent team. And I'm not just saying that. Very good. That was a lot of fun. So we'll, we'll get into that some more for another time. That was an excellent job right there. But all right, so let's go with how they finished in the division. Uh, the Steelers, we talked about them a little bit at length last week. Uh, keeping Big Ben, as we know, for at least probably this last season, maybe one more, who knows what happens, but he's their guy for now. So they got their quarterback for the moment. Do they go ahead and draft another quarterback later on or in the first round? What do you think they need to address? I'll just throw out a couple of things, guys, and you let me know what really stands out. Uh, the O-line, I think, can use some help, certainly, now that Pouncey has retired. You need to get a center that's going to work really well, very important. Um, don't like the idea of drafting a running back in the first round, but they can find one second, third, fourth. 
Uh, but also defense, because Bud Dupree, I believe, is, is a free agent, and I don't think they're going to sign him. So they're known for having linebackers also. So surprising that the Steelers, who made the playoffs last year and won the AFC North, have a lot of holes to fill, Damian, but they do. Yeah, you pretty much named all the holes I was going to name. Uh, the center position is really important to have one there that knows that their football IQ is good. I think that's an underrated part of talking about the center position. A lot of people think about the center like, oh, they don't have to move that much. You know, you just have to have, you know, be strong to make sure the defensive tackle doesn't run them over. But they have to know the protections, right? right. And you bring in a rookie, you got to make sure you bring in a rookie who can do that right away. It's very important. Um, so that's a really big need right there. I also agree with linebacker. If Bud Dupree's leaving, how do you replace him? Because the guy who came in for him was pretty good, but he couldn't stay healthy either. So right. what do you do there? And that defense was, a you know, the major reason why they was 11-0 was that defense. So I agree there. I would go center and also inside linebacker. All right, cool. Yeah, we're, we're on the same page. Yeah, and I, and I say draft the running back later on. No need to, you know, go big uh, with, with any of these guys. Because, again, we Nikki find diamonds in the rough all the time late in these rounds over here. So the Steelers can find one. But what would you do immediately first round? And while we're doing that, let me try to get the draft order up. I'm sorry I don't have it. Yeah, no, I think they pick 24th. So while I'm very passionate that they need to move on from Ben Roethlisberger and address the quarterback position, I know they won't do that in the first round. Seems to me Steelers, their MO is just best player available. They don't always necessarily target a specific position. Uh, but if they want to, I think they need a versatile linebacker, right? It's going to give them some more opportunities to rush the passer. And they really, really need that. All right, great call, yeah, and you're right. Uh, Pittsburgh does pick 24th, so they'll have a while to go unless they want to make some sort of trade, but I don't really see that happening. Um, they're trying to win it this year, so, uh, you know, they maybe try to get a couple other veterans in there. We'll see what happens. All right, um, let's move on to the next team over here, which is the Ravens, which, you know, we all three of us expected a lot more, and then Lamar didn't play his best fall, and the defense wasn't playing their best fall, but – Lamar needs players around him and the defense isn't as strong as it was a year or two ago. So Damian, let me go to you before I even say anything. And uh, we'll go to Nikki after you. What do you think they need to address first? They need to try to build the perfect route receiver. <laughs> that's, um, that's what they need to try to do. <laughs> well done, buddy. Oh, they need to get a wide receiver. We all know it. You know, if they trade for someone, perfect, right? But why not get somebody cheap in the draft who you know could be that guy? They're picking pretty late, so they won't have the chance to get, you know, Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase, you know, any of those guys who right. are looking like they could be top prospects. But they're saying there's a deep wide receiver draft. Get a wide receiver with some size, a true number one. Right. So then that opens up the field for Hollywood Brown and the Willie Sneeze of the world. But get a true wide receiver. I, I like that a lot. Um, that that's a place I would go, Nikki, and where they're drafting at 27th. That's a good place to draft a wide receiver. Do you agree or would you go somewhere else first? I 
absolutely agree. I think that like it is just a glaring hole and they know they need to address it. I mean, they were ranked last in the NFL, 171.2 passing yards per game. So they know they have got to prioritize that passing attack. Please, my God, get Lamar Jackson some freaking help, please. He needs it. Like if you can't see that, um, then we got issues and you need to be listening to this show or maybe you should hire all of us to run your organization. Um, the only other thing I would say is, uh, I believe their outside linebacker is hitting free agency. So Ravens being Ravens, they may want to address that, but they have to find a wide receiver. I'm on the same page as both of you guys, you know, drafting that late. If you can get, you know, one of these guys that you were really scouting and looking at and saying, I want him on my team, then go get him at 27. If not, if they're not in love with somebody over there, then keep working on your defense or especially the line of scrimmage. And that's offensive and defensive line because we know that's where the game is won and lost. But I do agree with you guys. If they can get the wide receiver that they want at number 27, go for it. If not, wait till the second round or maybe even the third round, whatever. But I agree. Lamar Jackson needs somebody over there. There's no doubt. So we're all in agreement on that one. The Browns. The third team in this division to make the playoffs who took down the Steelers. Um, Nikki, I want you to go first on this one. The Browns obviously on their way up, but do they stay up? Do they keep rising? And is the draft going to help them? What are they doing? Um, well, for me, I think the Browns really need some linebackers who can make an impact in both the run and passing game. Um, so again, I mean, I know I just said it for the Ravens and, and the Steelers, but I think, you know, another versatile linebacker and that really sums it up for this division. Like if you think about it, um, I, they're always beating each other up and I feel like that's how they draft to just beat each other up. Nikki, I, you made, Perfect points in less than 30 seconds. That was well done by her, Damien. What are your thoughts? Yes, very efficient. Um, you know, the opposite of me. I'm a little more long-winded <laughs> <laughs> with mine. Um, but, no, nah, perfect explanation. I think they need an edge rusher to go alongside uh, Miles Garrett. You know, Miles yeah. Garrett is going to be working hard. He's going to be getting double teamed. You need somebody else on the other edge who could be dominant, um, who could stay healthy. That's a big thing when it comes to their other edge rushers. Seems like Miles Garrett's the only one that stays healthy throughout the year. Even he has his issues, but it's more him on than off compared to the other ones. And also with them cornerback, I feel like they need another really good cornerback and health at corner at the secondary spots is a big thing for them. So more depth there would help as well. See, again, I'm agreeing with both of you guys. And we, we, again, we don't go over this over the show. There's no doubt. Otherwise, we'd all have different ones and make up fake arguments. So we don't do that. <laughs> I, I, went linebacker. I went linebacker and secondary also, guys. Um, listen, when you look at this division as a whole, this division is played when the ball is snapped basically within 10 yards. You know, this, it's either a running back, you know, running it for about seven or eight yards, you know, if, if they can get that much or a quick slant, or a quick, uh, you know, button hook or whatever it is. So the way that this division is molded, you know, to be defensive and run-oriented, yeah, I definitely think the Browns need to beef up, get another guy with an edge rusher or somebody to stuff up the middle. And definitely, yeah, I like secondary, but um, I even like linebacker even more because that's where these games are played. And the Browns are going to have to toughen up even a little bit more if they're going to want to hang with the Ravens and the Steelers for a long time, even after Big Ben's gone. 
I'm loving what you guys are saying. This is really, really well done. Let's get to the last team, the Bengals, who finished last. Would it have been that way had Joe Burrow stayed healthy? Yes. But Joe Burrow, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow is looking pretty good. So we know they got their quarterback, obviously. They're not going over there. Um, Burrow certainly needs help, even though he made players look better around him. But again, we're talking about this division, which really is the black and blue division to me, is taking over the uh, NFC uh, North up there. This division is as tough as it gets. So for me, guys, they got to go defense, defensive line, linebacker. They got plenty of cap space so they can even bring in a bunch of free agents if they're attracted to go to Cincinnati. I've never heard of that before in my entire life, but maybe that will be an option where they're attracted to go and wear that weird-ass Bengals helmet and play over there with a young quarterback and a team that has a lot of room and could get paid. Yeah, the Bengals could take a meteoric rise in the next year or two. They really can. But they got to make sure, uh, Nikki, that they have the right defense intact and long to go with this division. Yeah, the thing with the Bengals is I think that they are like to build this team with foundational players. Um, and for me, I think they need to go offensive tackle here. Uh, free agency for that is looking a little light. And I think they do need to address it, add another piece to this team, get, you know, just start building, building, building. I think that's what they want to do. I guess I could see them go wide receiver, give Joe Burrow a little bit of help, but if I'm the Bengals, I am just adding my foundational pieces so I can compete in this division. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well explained. Damien, uh, what do you think? You know, she says, um, wide receivers, you know, a couple of interesting guys that he threw to last year, but uh, what do you think? Yeah, you definitely could go wide receiver here, especially with where they're picking at. They can get one of those foundational guys, um, but you can't throw to a receiver if the quarterback's injured. Um, so for me, I would go offensive line, mm. try to get one of those young pieces that could be with Joe Burrow for the next 10, 15 years. You know, a left tackle that could be there forever, uh, protecting him on that side. Just build an offensive line, make it strong. And that takes care of so much because it gives you wide receivers more time. So even if you have, you know, not the best wide receivers, if you have a good offensive line, now those wide receivers have more time. Joe Burrow has more time to go through his progressions. So I think offensive line is where they should go. I think, you know, what you guys make a great point right there. Offensive line makes a heck of a lot of sense. You want to protect your young quarterback. And they haven't had a great offensive line for a while. They very rarely, you know, even draft him. I think Jonah Williams was the last uh, offensive lineman that they may have picked. So, and those are names that people don't even know necessarily. So, all right, very interesting. You guys make great points for offensive line. Definitely. You know, I like to beef up the defense, but it's got to protect your quarterback. Well done. Let's do this real quick. Uh, before we get to knowledge with Nikki, I think we may have time for that. If we don't, we'll come back to it, but just to rank the quarterbacks in the division real quick. I got Lamar Jackson, because I think he's going to get back to what he was last year coming up. Baker Mayfield taking a big step. I still got Big Ben third and Joe Burrow fourth, because I still need to see what he's got to do. Nikki, what would you rank the four quarterbacks? Um, yeah, I think I might be with you there. So I'd probably go Lamar Jackson one. Uh, you had Baker too? Yeah, because he's younger, mobile, yeah. and more things than Ben at this point. Yeah, no, I get that. You know, I, I'm with you there at three, Ben and four. Yeah, Joe Burrow. Listen, I mean, he's going to rise up in the ranks. We just, we have to see more. So no I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. All right. All right, Dean, what do you think? Yeah, uh, for me, 
Only thing I would do differently, I feel like Big Ben is due for a big drop off. So I'm going to put Big Ben fourth mm-hmm. and Joe Burrow third. Okay. 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 I ain't mad at that. Mm-hmm. I ain't mad. It makes sense. You know, I mean, look, you ain't getting any younger, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that's going to happen. All right. That was pretty cool. I love it. AFC North. Next week, we're going to have a special guest on and we're going to jump to the NFC East. That'll be a lot of fun. And you also know what's a lot of fun. Let's hit it, baby. This is my recital. I think it's very vital. That's right. On time. All right. It's knowledge with Nikki time. Time to get tricky. Here we go. We have no idea what we got coming for us, but Nikki's going to tell us right now what's the topic. Well, the topic is I'm going to continue celebrating women this month. And last week we did women in sports. So this week we're doing women in history. And I feel really good about it. I think you guys are going to have a good week. Okay. I didn't pay attention to history class too much, but I'll give it a shot. I don't even think I went to history class, actually, now that I think about it. But all right, here we go. Oh, what? It's one of the best subjects. All right, here we go. Jay, you're first, right? Yes. All right, Jay, here we go. So who became the first female secretary of state appointed by President Clinton in 1997? Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? No. D? I have no idea. Okay. Madeline Albright. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Good question. Oh, man, I am in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jay, question number two. Women couldn't get credit cards on their own until what year? 1978. I'm going to go 1965. Jay, I'll give it to you, 1974. Pretty damn close there. Good one, Jay. Is that a half a point? I'll give you a full point. You guys have had rough weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Nice job. All right. Question three. In 1993, Carrie Schuler became the first woman to be drafted in baseball. Which team drafted her? In professional baseball? Correct. Okay. Um, um, Let me just go into memory bank. 93, you said, right? 93. Was it the Pirates? No. D? I'm going to go with the Mariners. Chicago White Sox. Ooh. Oh. Okay. Actually, I didn't know that. All right. Good question, though. I like it. All right, Jay. Number four. Who was the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Janis Joplin. Are- oh, oh, shit. Sorry, D. I didn't give you a chance. I'm sorry. It was Aretha Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I would have got that one. Oh, oh man, I'm sorry. Oh, I, man, I, I like... started to say it. I was, oh shit, he didn't go. <laughs> so Aretha Franklin got in before Janis Joplin, huh? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know. Okay, interesting. D- Damien, I believe you if you say you would have got it. I, I know. I really. That was gonna feel... be, yeah, that was gonna be my guess, but it's nice. Nah, like it's not like I knew for sure, but that was gonna be my guess. I feel bad. That... I'm gonna give you a point <laughs> anyway. I'm in a good yeah, mood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even the I, playing I... field. All right, no. D. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. 
Okay, here we go. Who introduced America to French cooking in her books and television series from 1963 through the 1990s? Oh, I uh, introduced us to French cooking through her books. (laughs) I have no idea. Jay, you want to take a shot? So it was French cooking through her books? That's yeah. Who, inter- who introduced America to French cooking? Who introduced America to French cooking? Um, I, I, f- I forgot her name, and it probably wouldn't even be her anyway. So I'm not going to waste time. Okay, Julia Child. You guys. That's the, oh, that's the name I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember her name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no idea on that one. I couldn't remember her name. Ah, bad on me. All right. All right, D, number two, out of the 535 members of Congress, how many of them are women? I'm going to say 10. Jay? Is 535? Yep. I'm going to go closer to about 115. 106. That's pretty Ooh, damn close. Pretty close, Jay. Yeah. Huh? Hey, what are you you saying, Nikki? What's the ruling? Okay, I'll rule you a point there. Okay, fair enough. Not with that. That's pretty close. That's pretty damn close. All right, D, number three. Lizzie Maggie was the inventor of the original Monopoly game. What was the game originally called? Oh. Oh, my God. I think I heard this. Yeah, I feel like I have heard this question before, maybe on, like, Jeopardy. Um. Come on. It was originally called. I'm going to say it was originally called real estate. Jay? It's not a bad guess. Um, oh, man, I definitely heard this before. I wish I could get it right now. Uh, what was Monopoly called before? The Bank? It was called the landlord's game. The landlord's game. Oh, the landlord's game. Yeah. I'm glad they changed it to Monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's yeah. that's almost as bad as Starburst being called fruit opals. Yeah. <laughs> Even knowledge always comes back to you. You never know when you're gonna need it. All right, D, last one for you. Who was the first woman to serve as attorney general? Uh, I feel like I should know this. You should. Um, <laughs> first woman to serve as attorney general. Uh, mm. My sixth grade social studies teacher is very <laughs> upset with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I can't remember. I know we went over that in sixth grade, too. Jay? The first female attorney general. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys know this. I know. I feel like you're gonna know. say the name. I'm gonna be very upset. Yeah, you are. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up. Um, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> not Nancy Pelosi. Huh? Not Nancy Pelosi. No. No, I don't know. Janet Reno. 
I wouldn't have got yeah. that. Really? No. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. Well, you know what you did get, Jay? You got this week. Two to one. <laughs> nice job, everybody. Good job. Great job by you, Nikki, once again. Right. Yeah, good good job, Nikki. Great questions. Love learning more about women's history. So keep them coming. I will. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The women make the world go around. Thank God for them. All right. We're going to keep going round and round here on the third and three podcast. We got a 30 second break for you. And we're going to come back and kick your ass. See you in a minute. segment of the evening on third and three podcast with Damian, Nikki and myself, Jason Fearman. We'll give you all our handles out a little bit uh, later, right after the show, you'll enjoy a little bit of music in this last segment coming up over here at the end. But uh, Hey, again, our music alphabet soup over here, we're up to the letter R. We got a little Rick James. We got some red hot chili peppers, the real McCoy, Robin S you've got to show me love. So we got all that on over there. I don't really sing well. You guys know that. You guys already told me. So I learned my lesson. But, <laughs> Who said this? Us? Remember I made up that stupid ass rap and you guys are like, oh, I, I like the lyrics, but hopefully somebody else can sing it. Man, it was like- <laughs> <laughs> Damn, harboring that one for a while, huh? <laughs> oh, no, not harboring. I know I ain't got no damn voice. <laughs> In the shower. I actually don't think you're too bad. Yeah, we all sound good in the shower. <laughs> oh, I love it. Hey, before we get into our last segments over here, I just wanted to go over something real quick that caught my eye with free agency. Uh, three wide receivers, and I want you to tell me which one is the best, and real quick, why. We have Will Fuller, 27 years old, Curtis Samuel, 25, and Juju Smith, 24. So, again, we got Juju Smith, Curtis Samuel, and... Uh, Will Fuller, Damien, which one would you rather spend money on as a free agent and maybe sign a contract with? Uh, yeah, I got to go with Mr. Dance on the logo, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Uh, just because he's not scared to go across the middle, stays mostly healthy. Like, that's what he has over Will Fuller, for sure. Um, it's staying healthy and it's consistency. And for him, if you put him with a true number one, Right. We saw what he can do when Antonio Brown was at his best. Juju Smith-Schuster, we thought for sure, like there was a moment there where we thought Juju was a true number one because of how good he was with Antonio Brown. 
So you put him on a team with a true number one and let him roam free and get shots down the field. I feel like we can see a rejuvenated Juju. Oh, it still remains to be seen if he actually is the number one. A lot of people still calling him like the perfect number two. Like you said, if you get another guy beside him, like Antonio Brown, we saw what he can do. Curtis Samuel, not your prototypical type of wide receiver, Nikki, but he's very good in um, the short passing game and he can move around and get your first down when you need it. And Will Fuller, we know that he may be the best out of all of them possibly, but the injury problems are a problem. So yeah. which one do go with? <laughs> Fuller, Curtis Samuel, who is very reliable, and then Jimmy Smith-Schuster, uh, Jimmy Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> yeah, listen to me, Jimmy Smith-Schuster. I'm thinking about the Jaguars in 1990. about to say, that was a, that's a good forgotten athlete right there, Jimmy Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> somewhere a more perfect wide receiver, or something like that. But uh, either way, so uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, excuse me, um, Damien's going with him, and I understand why. Would you do the same? Yeah, I think I would. Um, For me, Will Fuller just like consistently disappoints me. I don't know if you guys feel that way. Like he is good, but I feel like he could be so great. And I know there's been injuries, but I always just want like a little bit more out of this kid and I just never seem to get it. So yeah, you know, if I'm spending the money, I'm going to go Juju. I probably would too. I would I know that uh, Curtis Samuel would probably cost less, but Juju better overall athlete. I, don't know, I would juggle that one, but Juju, I, you know, I, I agree with you guys for the most part. All right, that was just a little sidebar before we get into our dinner fight club action over here. Just curious about my partner's opinion. So you guys know dinner fight club. It's who do we want to take to dinner? Who would we like to back us up in a fight? And who do we want to go party in the club with? So we pick three people. They could be fictional characters, real professional wrestlers, football players, models, whatever. You you pick it, you name it, whatever. So I got one. I don't know how many you guys got, but Nikki, we're going to start with you. Oh, okay. Well, I have one for the week, and I will continue with our wide receiver diva edition. I have Keyshawn Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, or T.O. Ooh. Ooh. D, you want to go first or you want me to do it? Well, I'm definitely I'm gonna go first, and I'm definitely taking T.O. to fight. Um, T.O. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, he's he's built to do some damage, so I'm taking T.O. in the fight with me. Um, and then Ocho Cinco for the club. It's gonna be a good time. It's you know I've seen him. He's also good for conversation. He's on his podcast. I'm athlete with Brandon Marshall. They've done a really good job with that. But Ocho Cinco in the club, you get some of the cha-cha dancing and whatnot. Um, I feel like him and Victor Cruz should cha-cha off one day. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really good to see. And for the conversation, Keyshawn, you know, I could ask him about some of the crazy stuff he says on the radio in the morning. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> you ain't kidding. And you know what, man? That's that's Keyshawn is the one I'm having the toughest issue with right here because – I hate to say I don't like somebody. I'm just not necessarily a fan of his. He's always talking over Jay Williams. He's driving me freaking crazy when I'm mm-hmm. taking a drive. Listen, always talking over him. He makes fun of Zubin way too much. I mean, yeah, there's a time and if I get it and everything, but you know, he thinks he owns the joint. So I'm not a huge fan of him. So I don't want to have dinner with him. So, you know, my only other option probably 
because I don't want to party with him in the club. He's already admitted his club days are over. He doesn't like partying, so he's not going to go there. I'm going to be forced to take him in a fight, and I feel pretty confident. Yeah, he's a pretty big dude, so. He could throw him down, so I'm not not worried about that. So Keyshawn will back me up in a fight. Um, I got to go with Chad in the club. He's just way too much fun. And Tio being just the interesting I don't even know what to call him, like idiot savant of football that he is. I, I would like to hear some of the stories and why he was working out and next question and all sorts of stuff like that and the relationships that he made and broke in the NFL. So that might be kind of interesting. So I'll go that way, Nick. All right. Nice. Yeah, Jay, I'm with you. I <laughs> I wrote this little list and I'm like, Oh man, I don't want to sit through a dinner with Keyshawn. Like I hear him <laughs> yapping away every morning and it's like starting to grate on my nerves. So I've been turning it off and just, you know, streaming. Me Spotify. Too. Yeah. Me too. It's annoying. Yeah. It's annoying me. And he just, I don't know. He just goes on way too much. So yes, I feel you. I would be forced to take him in a fight. Chad be doing all them touchdown dances in the uh, club. I'm here for that with the popcorn. And man, the stories you can hear from T.O. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Man, man. And not that we want to go on a Keyshawn Johnson ranting rampage. And he's very smart. He knows exactly what he's talking about. You know, I'm not going there. But he just, you know, comes in there and dominates the entire thing. Zubin, all he gets to say is, well, next up, our guest is. (laughs) You know, Jay Williams is constantly rolling his eyes because Keyshawn won't let him talk. And Keyshawn dumps on him, man. Talk like, oh, yeah, yeah, you play college basketball at Duke. And, you know, you got you didn't play in the pros, man. You know, this and that. I'll score. Just shut the hell up, man, and do the show. Come on. <laughs> uh, so, I, I'm with you on that one. That's very interesting. All right, uh, D, what do you got for your dinner fight club? All right, speaking of people that drive you crazy because they talk too much, going with some <laughs> sports media personalities here. Ooh. We got Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Yeah, Skip Bayless. Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Colin Cowherd. Oh, none. <laughs> wow. Wow. This may be the toughest one of all time. Oh, my God. I don't even know <laughs> oh, where you go with this. What? All right. All right. Let's get something straight. Um, Skip works out every day, man. I, I, he, he, he'll, he won't give up. He'll be scrappy. So I'll take him in a fight. He'll be scrappy. All right. Colin or Stephen A at dinner? Um, Stephen A is just too loud. Everybody's going to keep looking at us and being like, what the hell are they arguing? Is that a couple over there? Are they arguing about like their kids? <laughs> you know, I, I don't need any of that sort of weirdness. So I'll talk to Colin. You know, he's impressive with himself, even though he's a pompous asshole. And I'll just go party with Stephen A in the, uh, in the club over there. So that's what I would do, guys. I could definitely see that. I could see that one. Where would you go, Nikki? Um, all right. So, so I, I think I would take Stephen A in a fight because I just think he'll talk them to death and get all loud, <laughs> crazy. And just like, they just back away. Like, yeah, no, I, I don't even want any, any part of this mess. Um, I think I'm going to go to the club with Skip Bayless. Cause <laughs> I think he might be a good time and yeah, I'll have dinner with Colin Coward. Okay. Yeah. I can see that one as well. Um, Colin, Colin's one of the people that I do look up to, even though I don't agree with most of what he says. The fact that he can talk that much for that long, you know, I know he has guests, but the fact that he can carry a show like that uh, really showed me that I could do that with my show. Um, So I do have respect for him, even though, like you said, he can be a pompous asshole at times. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And Thank God for, Joy is there to keep him in check sometimes. I love Joy. Joy's great. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so for me, though, um, I would go to dinner with Stephen A. Just to, you know, pick his brain about some of the things he's done in media. Uh, I would take Skip in a fight, like you said. Skip is somebody who's known for working out, even at his age, um, can still handle his own. And, yeah, I guess I would take Colin to the club, even though it wouldn't be <laughs> wouldn't be the best time with Colin in the club. No, but no. Yeah. <laughs> you might find yourself in the VIP section, but it's only going to be the two of you. That's yeah. pretty much <laughs> true. That's very true. Yeah. So Colin will be a tough club hangout, but I want the other two in those other situations more though. So I'll take Colin. Like club. I dig it. All right. Dinner fight club. Did uh, I only had one. Nikki, you had one. Uh, Damien, did you have one this week or, or did you have a second? Just one. Okay. All right. Perfect. We all got us in. I like that very, very much. All right. So let me do mine over here. Um, you guys know that I went friends uh, a couple of weeks ago with Jory Ross and Chandler. So because it's Women's Month, I figured I'd bring the ladies in. Rachel, Monica, and Phoebe, let's hear it, Nikki. Oh, man, I am taking, um, let me see. Now, I'm going to take Monica in a fight because she don't mess around. You see how clean that apartment is? Something's not right. Like, nobody's <laughs> clean. There's like some, should be like angry scrubbing pots and shit. So I'm taking her in a fight. <laughs> I am taking, I'm going to take Phoebe to the club because that's going to be so interesting. Probably end up in like an ashram smoking hookah or something. I don't know. (laughs) And I'm having dinner with Rachel. Actually, no, make that lunch so that we could just skip the whole thing and go shopping because that would be an epic trip. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Right on point. She had no idea who I was going to say and she just winnied herself right into that one. Excellent job, Nikki. Really good. All right, Damien, what would you do? Um, I actually agree with Nikki right on point. Um, our reasons to go to dinner with Rachel would be a little bit different, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but outside of that, I agree with everything Nikki said. You know what, guys? Call it a trifecta again. We've been trifecta. Oh. Oh, with the perfect triangle, right? I'm with Rachel for the same reasons that Damien would had he not <laughs> married men, of course. <laughs> Monica, crappy as all hell, not... But I will say that Phoebe lived on the streets for a while. Yes. And she and she mugged people. So I would <laughs> be perfectly fine with her having my back in a fight. But Monica is crazy. And you're right. Phoebe would just be so much fun because she's so wonderfully weird and ditzy and everything like that. But she's actually smart. And I, I, yeah, I think she'd be a blast to hang out with. So that's a trifecta right there, guys, on the Dinner Fight Club. Awesome. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, let's keep the good times going, even though it is the last segment of the evening on 3rd and 3 Podcast. We're going to give you all our Twitter handles out. Of course, follow us at 3rd and 3 Podcast. And we'll be back next week with the Bracket Challenge, everything. But we got unpopular opinions to get to. Guys, if you don't mind, I will kick it off. And it kind of went to where I was talking about a little bit before, but here it goes. And it revolves around the quarterbacks. Unless there's a clear-cut quarterback that a team loves and needs and says, that's our guy, the way that, uh, you know, the Chiefs identified Patrick Mahomes and moved up and took him at number 10. Otherwise, then back off and draft the next best player. If you're not in love with the quarterback, don't risk it. Don't go 50-50 on that. Get the next best player and find maybe another place or even the next year to get your franchise guy. Because first-round quarterbacks 
they are 50-50 when it comes to their success. In 2016, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, first two picks in the draft, respectively. Now they're on different teams, like I mentioned before. Jameis Winston, 2015, he's a backup now. He's wearing a different uniform. Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears moved up to get him at number two. Idiots. Look what he's doing now. I don't know what team he's going to play on next year, even if he does play with the Bears. I don't know. Baker, he was the number one pick. He's not a number one pick, in my opinion. He's okay. He's a good player, but not worthy of a first-round draft pick. So what I'm saying, you know, once in a while, you'll get a Kyler Murray who can do it all, but still, his team hasn't made the playoffs. So it's just this... Again, don't reach for the quarterback. Like, I'm not, Nikki, I'm, this is not, I'm not picking on you. Like the Giants at number six. Maybe they could have waited at number 17 when they drafted Daniel Jones. My point is, is that just because some guy did great at the combine or jumped really freaking high or, saw, or his hands of 17 inches long, it doesn't mean that he should automatically jump up in the draft. So don't reach for these quarterbacks that you're not sure on. Unless you're in love with the guy, You've seen him work out. You've had meetings with him, so on and so forth. Move along and you find a quarterback somewhere else. Damien, what do you think about that? I totally agree. Yeah, you your quarterback should be somebody that you're sure on. Now, sometimes you're sure on a guy who isn't good. That's you know? true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's going to that's gonna happen. Sometimes you're going to be super sure and then you're going to be like, well, my instincts were off. You know, <laughs> that happens sometimes. Um, but like you said, you definitely can't go into it like, oh, I, I think he's good. No, you have to know. You have to be in love with that quarterback. If not, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there who could be a placeholder until that right guy comes along. Um, that could be in a league. You know, there's a million Ryan Fitzpatrick's out there. That could be a placeholder for you until that right quarterback comes along. And also, like we talked about earlier, don't just give money to a guy if you're not sure about it. Right. So, you're exactly right on that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Again, unpopular opinions become popular here on Third and Three Podcasts because we all share the same amazing cosmic mind. But, Nikki, uh, you may disagree, uh, you know, with, with what I was saying as far as, you know, again, quarterback is the most important position on the field. We all know that. But there's a difference between being in love with one and reaching for one just because you need a guy at that position. Yeah, no, I am 100% with you guys. Like, if you don't love this guy, don't reach. And and no, Jay, I'm with you. The Giants reach for Daniel Jones. Like, I, I wasn't expecting that. Nobody was expecting that. In fact, I remember that draft so vividly because I had to leave a work event. Like, I try to peace out early, and I'm like, oh, the draft is on. And they're just like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like <laughs> driving home, hoping not to miss it. I get home, like, right at their pick, timed it perfectly. And I'm like, What? Oh, really? Like, you just kind of, so I'm with you either. If you love this guy and D's right, you just may all be in on the wrong guy. If you love him, that's your guy. Go get him. If you're not sure, just take the next best available player. I'm sure if sure you need it. I'm sure you can find a spot for him. So I'm with you. Yeah, really. I mean, just again, the, the, the one, one example I'll use is Trubisky in North Carolina, where he wasn't putting up any big numbers or anything. And the bears drafted up to get him. I mean, the, yeah. again, can't just fill a hole because there's a hole there. You got to get the right person to fill it. Damien, you said it very well. And Nikki, you backed it up perfectly. So that's my unpopular, popular opinion of the week. Uh, Damien, would you like to go next? Yes, sir. So 
for my unpopular opinion this week, I just get a little frustrated sometimes when I see some of the numbers that some sports media personalities are making as far as their money. And there was an article that came out that Skip Bayless just re-signed with Fox. I don't know if you guys saw that. No. Uh, so he re-signed with Fox for four years, $32 million. Oh, my God. Yes. Not a year. No, four years, oh, 32. That's so awesome. eight. That, that's that's yeah. still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But you had to be scared to death right there. I thought it was <laughs> a year. Wow. No, so four years, $32 million, $8 million a year Skip Bayless is making. And it's nothing. Wow particularly against Skip. I've never been a big Skip guy. I remember when Cold Pizza first came out before it became first taken, it was him and Woody Page. That's and then right. it became him and Stephen A. So I understand his value as far as being polarizing, being somebody who's going to say stuff to get you mad and people are going to view, either you're going to love him or hate him. I get it. But I feel like there's so much talent out here, not just us, but even just so many different podcasters that we shout out every time that we do a show or like my most recent episode of the real deal with Damian Adams. I had six of us on doing a draft and you could just tell all six of us are very talented and deserve to be able to make some type of money in this industry. And for me, I just don't understand again, the fascination with skip. Cause obviously if he's getting, if you know, ESPN and Fox, are both going at it for him. The uh, article that I read, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly where it was from. Um, but it said that ESPN and Fox had a bidding war. They were trying to reunite Stephen A and Skip on first take, which I'm pretty sure didn't make Max feel too good. But <laughs> trying, to, trying to reunite them and Fox outbid them and gave them the four years 32. And for me, wow, it just seems like there's so that money could be dispersed to so much more talent and you can have so many more shows of nuance talk. Like we have here, we're going to have our strong opinions and you're going to have your hot takes here and there. But for me, I want to see more nuanced talk with people who know what they're talking about and are not just trying to get a reaction. Mm-hmm. If you do give a re- if you do get a reaction from what I say, cool. But if you don't, all right, then you just were neutral on that particular take. But I don't want to, it's already become a world now where if you don't have the hot take, then we're not interested. Or because you're not on Fox or ESPN, you're not big enough for us to make us care, right? And that's some of the frustration I've had as a podcaster is trying to gain an audience. And I've done pretty well. I've done okay, but it's so hard to do it and you see that type of money given out to somebody who I just don't get it on. You're like, what do you have to do to get that chance? And I'm not asking for eight million a year, right? Eighty thousand a year, I'll be fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> but just a chance to get in the door to prove that I could do the same thing. That someone else, not even me, someone else. Like I said, somebody else who was on my podcast before. If Nikki was chosen, I'll be right there cheering on Nikki oh. to be the one to go forward. Like, just give these, that money could be dispersed to so many different people to do so much more than just give the Skip Bayless to do Undisputed. And like I said, for me, I haven't watched Undisputed at all. 
right? I'll catch a clip here and there. Somebody will share it. Me being a sports fan, I'll see it. But me turning into the show, like literally turning on my TV, going to Fox Sports 1 to watch Skip Bayless, it's not happening. And it just, I guess I'm really going long here, but for me, I just want more opportunity given to the small guys to get an opportunity. And as part of that's on the viewers, right? The viewers complain a lot about Skip, but obviously they're watching. For him to get paid that much, that means that Fox thinks he's worth it. That means he's bringing in ratings. And if you want better sports takes and better sports shows, make third and three so popular that Fox wants to pay for us. ESPN wants to pay for us. Make the real deal with Damian Adams so popular that it becomes a national radio show. Help out the guys who are coming with different takes and girls who are coming out with different takes and nuanced stances and know what they're talking about in a different way than just the ones who are screaming at each other with the scripted takes, like you said earlier, help the real ones get out there because obviously you're still helping the skip bases of the world. If they're able to get a four-year contract for $32 million. Wow, man. I, I mean, I'm not Nikki. I'm not even sure what to say because I love every word he just said right there. Obviously, first of all, $8 million for a guy to talk about sports is insane. That's ridiculous. Absolutely. Even for a guy who is, yes, as polarizing as Skip Bayless, I'm not a fan of his, but like you just said, everything that they're talking about is scripted. Not only that, they're meeting for about two and a half to three hours before the show to make sure they got everything right. We don't even do that. We go off our hearts, our brains, our knowledge, what we see on the field, the things that we collect in our own minds and experience knowledge day to day. And we know as much as these guys. These, when these guys talk about this GM and this contract and how much is owed here and how the rules work with free agent, they don't freaking know. Somebody's handing them a piece of paper and telling them exactly how it works. Or they have to look it up in the pregame show. So again, I'm with you. These guys already have a platform. Why give more money, which could be spread around so much better like you said, to other people where there's radio stations blasting all over the universe, why not help us out who are basically, again, on third and three, giving you guys stuff to talk about, and we know you listen to it, and we're not even trying to be funny right now. Damien was dead serious. Why not help out the ones who don't have the means and the ones that are trying so hard and trying to put forth a great show? Damien, that, that was really, really fantastic, man. Really great. Thank you. Thank you. Nick, I'm not sure exactly. First of all, if you want to say anything about that, please go ahead. And then we got your unpopular opinion. But he's right, you know, and uh, and also, I'm sorry, Nikki, but another thing they do is, is they give it to former athletes as well. You know, they retire. Next thing you know, they're sitting next to, you know, Greeny or Stephen A on first take or, or uh, you know, get up in the morning and they just automatically have a job. I, I, you know, like they work to be players and I understand all that, but, you know, I mean, come on, guys, (laughs) they didn't go to broadcasting school. They didn't do podcasts. They played football and that's wonderful. And we want their input, but they don't need to be a host of a show when they already have $150 million in the bank. 
Yeah, it's interesting, uh, D, that you went here because my unpopular opinion kind of like piggybacks off of this. And let me just make this clear right now. If somebody does want to pick up this show and they just want to pick up uh, me, Nikki Gist, uh, I don't come without these two. So as a package deal, so tough shit on you. Uh, <laughs> we will negotiate our price. Thank you very much. But Jay, remember when we, and just to give you guys behind the scenes, we do talk to each other um on monday nights for probably about four minutes and we run down what we're gonna say and just in terms of topics we don't actually like tell each other what we're saying and then that's it and we go off on our way and jay you said remember when um you said sheets of integrity and i said oh throw back to mike and mike well yeah my unpopular opinion is that that was espn's biggest mistake was getting rid of mike and mike because that was a staple in my morning for so long and Greeny and Golick were just complete opposites and they made it work. And you know what? Uh, Golick, like to, he's an ex athlete and to watch him call the college games to where he was, I thought he was phenomenal in the morning. They played so well off of each other and you just, you get rid of it. Why? Then you go Golick and Wingo and then Greeny in the morning show. And now it's a complete disaster. So ESPN New York uh, rundown is, you know, you move DCR to the the 5 a.m. where nobody can hear them. Then I have to hear the Keyshawn, the Keyshawn show is really what you should call it. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, I don't even care. I'll come for him. Come at me. Like, I'm sorry. It's annoying. You're an ensemble show and you just, you monopolize it. No one wants to hear it. Then you get greeny, but then we get an hour of like Max Kellerman. Then we get Michael K. I think ESPN is a mess. I think the biggest mistake they ever did was get rid of Mike and Mike because I thought that was a fantastic show. And I really think the product has gone downhill since then. Well, when you said they were a staple of your morning, that was exactly me. I actually made sure I was up at six o'clock. I kind of had to be anyway, but that, that ch- channel was on immediately. Those guys are basically, for the most part, the godfathers of radio TV. They started it all out. They did a radio show, and we were watching them do it, and it was weird. We're watching two people just talk for four hours, but it worked, like you said. Now, unfortunately, Greeny wanted to go one way, and Golik went the other day. You can see on TV, sometimes they had their differences, but that also made it great because it wasn't all just, you know, flowers and roses and everything everywhere they actually both had opinions and they would go back and forth at each other and that's real that's not scripted so i really like what you said because they were a staple of my morning for i don't know it's 16 years however long the thing lasted for 18 years so i i like that one there yeah i'm definitely right there with you i loved mike and mike and their differences made them good and like you said with with Golik, he was a former athlete, but you could tell more people know him for being a radio personality than an athlete, right? Because he yeah. was just he was a he was an okay pro football player. He wasn't like a Hall of Famer. So when he came out, it was more about his ability to be a personality on the radio, which made him and Greeny work. And Greeny's great, um, but him and Golik definitely were good as far as the radio. Um, Get up was cool, you know. Um, Get up is is find its, its ground um, and his greeny radio show is cool from time to time but it's definitely not what Mike and Mike was and we see it some we see some of the personality there with Golik Jr. and he, his show with you know Chini Agumake yeah 
but it's not, it's definitely not the same. And now you're, you don't have, you know, senior there at all. Mm-hmm. So it's something that, you know, you're just going to have to look back now and say, man, that was a great time. Like so I would watch yeah. on ESPN two in the morning before, before school, like I'll be before school getting ready. watching Mike and Mike, like you said, watching the radio on TV. Cause they were that good at it. It's exactly right. It, it really was amazing. They had this small, tiny little studio and everybody's like, oh my God, they're, they're watching. They're actually yeah. watching. So they get a big studio. And their bets. Remember, you guys remember the bets they would have was just epic. Yeah. Like no yeah. one's doing that now. Yeah. No one. Like uh, Golik in his birthday suit doing the Kardashian pose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was classic. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that, yeah. Those are some of the best. You know, you know who I'm okay with. You know, I, we're going to close out here in a couple of minutes. I'm totally okay with Trey. I don't know where Trey Wingo went, but I'm fine with him not being around ESPN. It, I I didn't like the way that he came in and he thought that he can pick on Golub Jr. I was waiting for Golub Jr. to get up and just smash him through the wall at some point because he. He kind of thought that he's like, oh, I could be like the uncle over here. And, you know, Pops is next to me. But Gola Jr. and, and Chanae, they do a hell of a job. I like them a lot. But damn, do I miss Mike and Mike. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you guys on that one. So, like I said, man, it's that's an opening. Third and three could be that new stable in the morning. We don't mind getting up. Nope. <laughs> nope. Right. Not, we're a bunch of early birds on this show. <laughs> That's right. And you know what? You're going to get clear, real deal opinions. That's the thing, you know, and uh, Nikki said it before, like literally we're on the phone for three, four minutes. We just want to make sure we got our topics down. We always say, I don't want to hear anything. Don't say nothing. We're just going to save everything for the show and get general responses. And that's how I like it. That That's the way we love it over here. Otherwise, we would be doing all this scripted stuff like the way that Max Kellerman has to take a side and Stephen A has to take a side and they're not allowed to agree. And it's like the angel versus the devil. You know, one day Max is the angel. The next day he's the devil. It's ridiculous. I don't like this made up crap. I don't know why people just can't speak from the heart. They don't have to have everything fed into their ear. Like Stephen A, when his earpiece goes out and he can't hear anything, the guy's freaking out on TV. He's losing his mind. I don't know. I, I even hear him. I don't have my earpiece going absolutely nuts. You know why you need your earpiece? Because you don't know exactly what you want to say at the right time and what subject is coming up. Same goes for Max and same goes for anybody who is in that position who really doesn't think for themselves too often. Now, I don't like Keyshawn that much, but I'll give him credit for thinking and standing by his word even though his word may not be right all the time he does stand by it and he will give up back he will give back up so he's intelligent i like him in that way but yeah again guys nobody wants to hear somebody talking over people and you can see it on jay will's face he gets frustrated and zubin can't even get a word in that that's that show i don't really watch anymore i don't unwatchable it, it's it's really become that you know so I, I like get up a little bit more because you know D, I love when R.C. Clark comes on and Dominique uh, Foxworth comes in with his crazy opinions and you know Marcus Spears I love so I love when they have those guys in there and you know they can go bantering back and forth and everything but then again it's too much and they pack it into one hour from eight to nine and then they repeat the same thing from nine to ten they do the yeah. same thing <laughs> twice in a row. <laughs> 
It's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. one bit. Are you listening, ESPN? We know you're listening. We know now if they bash themselves tomorrow and Friday, then we really know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they start, they get rid of the morning show. Like, oh, third and three said, get rid of them. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, seriously, you guys are listening to everything else. So why not listen to that? All right, listen to this. Listen to Nikki's Twitter handle where you can find her. She's blowing up on Twitter like crazy. Everybody's trying to get an interview with her now. Yeah, <laughs> you guys can find me at NikkiNick9384. And directly after this show, I will live tweet Real Housewives of New Jersey if you're into that kind of thing. No, plenty of people are, Nikki. That's that's why they follow you for <laughs> not sports, but the real life or, you know, quote unquote, real life sort of stuff. Excellent job, Nikki. We love you, D. What's going on, baby? Your show was awesome last week. I had a lot of fun. When's the next one? Where they, can they find you? Oh, thank you so much, man. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So, yeah, The Real Deal with Damian Adams is available on all podcast platforms. Last episode, I had five guests on, including Jay. We did an all-time NBA draft. It was a classic episode, man. Lots of laughs. So much knowledge, uh, basketball knowledge in the episode. Uh, it comes out every Sunday night. It's going to be a new episode of The Real Deal with Damian Adams. So go ahead and subscribe now wherever you listen to this podcast so you can be the first one to hear it on Sunday or on Monday morning when you wake up. And you can find me on social media at The Real Deal WDA. A lot of basketball, a lot of boxing, uh, some funny memes here and there. But if you want to get your basketball talk in and your boxing, your boxing talk in, go ahead and follow me on all social media platforms. No doubt. Absolutely. Both of my partners here must follows. I'm at Sports Profit One. That's the number one. Um, again, third and three podcasts. This is it. This is my podcast love. And you can find us everywhere, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Anchor, you know, all those sort of things that I can't remember. And the Power 32 podcast, I'll come out with once in a while. Um, not as much these days because it's more of a football oriented type of show. But we do so much football over here that I, I get my fix in, guys, and you guys provide every single week. It's a beautiful thing. So shout out to you. Again, shout out to Ashley Baker. She did a great job on the show also. Appreciate you, Sports Column, and for Anchor Radio for backing us up. Guys, I had a great time today. Let's see the perfect build of what will happen next week. We'll keep it a tease for everybody and let them know what's going to happen on the show next Wednesday when we do our brackets, bracketology coming up on third and three. So now- I'm going to be so bad at this. Oh, it's going to be terrible. So terrible. And we're po- we'll post it all for you. So it's not like, oh yeah, I had that. Nope. <laughs> it, as, soon as, as soon as it's in there and official, we're posting it right out there. So you all are going to know how terrible we all are at this thing. But if we'll get lucky. See if Colgate is in this year. I don't know. Maybe it's a hot, hot brand. Brush your teeth. All right, everybody. That's the final note. Go brush your teeth with Colgate. We're out of here for tonight. All right. Third and three podcasts. We'll be back same time, same channel next week. Everybody have a great weekend. Peace. Bye. Peace. That's all, folks.